up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, episode full length <laughs> of uh, Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. We're on episode 36. Uh, this one I'm pretty stoked about. Uh, like I've been saying over and over again, I really would love to have people on. Uh, and I got uh, Chief on today. That I was We've been talking for a while about doing it, and we finally got it done today. A nice long conversation about a ton of different topics. Uh, it's really just a list of things that, uh, that were going on inside his head. Uh, and a lot of it is stuff that I've talked about either in the past or it's stuff that I've been wanting to talk about. And it was cool to have a sounding board uh, for that and to get another another chief's perspective, another sailor's perspective um, and to have this type of a conversation. Uh, and and again, like I've been saying, I would really, really, really like to get more people involved uh in whatever capacity makes the most sense, right? Like if you want to come on as a guest, great. Uh, if you want to take ownership of an episode, like I've talked about before, where a group of people uh, record an episode independently, send me the audio file, and then I'll just sandwich it in between an intro and an outro and, and post it as an episode. Um, however you want to get that done, uh, I'm, I'm more than open to ideas and suggestions. Uh, and I will absolutely have a conversation with anyone. I would love to have junior sailors on, veterans on, senior sailors, officers. I don't care. Other services could Army, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Air Force, doesn't matter. I'd like to have everybody on to get those types of perspectives and to have those types of conversations. So if you're interested, hit me up. Uh, you can email me, don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us, don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram at DGUS podcast. Hit us up. Uh, let us know what you think of this. Any feedback's always appreciated. And then if you're interested in getting involved, uh, let us know. But I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, and without further ado, here it is. So thanks for doing this, man. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. I've been like, I've been trying to get a lot of people to to do this. And uh, I've, I think I've underestimated how difficult it is to like match two schedules up. Right. <laughs> and right. then we just went through the misadventures of getting third party applications <laughs> to do things we want them to do. So yeah, technology is um, great. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, it's working now and now I have a separate avenue to do this. So like you were saying, lessons learned, you know? Yeah, log it. Yeah, for real. So uh, go ahead and I just, we'll start like we always do with uh, just give me your background, just however you want to explain it and as much detail as you want to explain it. Um, I purposely leave names off stuff, but if you want to use your name, you can. It's entirely up to you. Um, but yeah, just like your background, kind of like your career arc, where you're at now, what you're doing to the detail that you can provide, um, progression, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I joined uh, in the beginning of 2007, March 1st, I guess, is when I started boot camp of 07. Uh, right. So it hasn't been like, you know, I'm not some 30 year guy yet. But, right. Uh, <laughs> not as um, crusty as me. <laughs> right. Uh, not quite as much salt, but, um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm a, a submariner radioman type. So, uh, I went out to sub school, obviously spent a while there and then got to the boat. Um, I was on a boat out in Kings or sorry, Kings Bay in the uh, banger. Um, and, uh, which was nice cause I'm a big fan of the West coast in general. I grew up yeah. in Southern California. Okay. Um, so I was on a boat out there for four-ish years, four and a half, something like that. Um, and I left there as a second. Uh, I think I'd taken the, f uh, no, I hadn't taken the first class exam yet. Um, I showed up to sub school for shore duty to go be an instructor. Um, and I kind of taught a lot of out of rate stuff. Um, Navy was weird with the, we didn't have the third letter, right? We were just ETs. So Navy ETs, right. Nuke ETs, Radio Men, we were all just ET. Right. So when I showed up, I don't think it was really clear as to what 
I think the general consensus that I got was they thought that I was an AVT. So <laughs> I got pigeonholed in a bunch of random places, um, okay. which was interesting. You know, it was kind of cool. I still got to bounce around and, and change it up. Um, while I was there, I got yeah. uh, picked for an IA duty. I was supposed to go to Afghanistan oh, nice. um, to as part of a, a provincial reconstruction team. Yeah. So I spent three and a half months in Indiana training with the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of history and, and civics type stuff. Um, it was really, really interesting. It was really cool until the last week we were there and they told 15 of us that they did not need us. Uh, and they canceled, yeah, they canceled That's their billet. So, weird. so the downside is that was still when there was tons of, uh, benefits for going IA for your career. Right. Um, but all of those only count if you go boots on ground. Right. So never made it over there. So I didn't, I just Ugh. lost three and a half months of shore that duty sucks. basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, came back, taught, you know, a bunch of different things while I was out here and then kind of bounced around a bunch. Um, made first pretty much immediately once I showed up to shore duty. So I was a first by doing all that and then, uh, left and, uh, I went down to, um, uh, special projects, doing a bunch of different stuff. Um, it was, it was awesome. Um, I kind of had no idea what I was doing when I went through the interview for it. Um, they wouldn't tell me where it was at the name of the command, anything. Yeah, uh, I signed a page thirteen saying I promise I will go to, and they just left it blank, assuming that I screened. <laughs> and it was one of those wow. like I was laughing with them, like I, this, you know, everything in the Navy has always told me never sign yeah. something like that. But I was, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like you know what? Yeah, why not? Right? I didn't know yep. what I was doing when I joined the Navy, so what does it matter if I know what I'm doing now? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so I did when I that's the one the thing we have in common is uh special projects and I, I when I did it I I remember I was I was a young dumb first class when I did it and so I was yep. the, I remember when the interview came to the galley she like she was asking me questions and she said like uh something to the effect of like have you ever like shared classified information with somebody you were supposed to and I was like I I was like no and then I tried to make a joke like I promise I won't divulge the classified chocolate chip cookie recipe to the Russians. Right. She didn't laugh. Like her face or facial expression didn't change at all. And I was just like, well, all right, tough crowd. Like, I guess I'm not going to relate to you at all. No, I had the same, I had that same (laughs) basic thing when they asked me like, you know, have you ever been part of an organization to try to overthrow the government or something? And I said, you know, obviously I said no, but it's like, I kind of laughed and I said, who says yes to that? Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was true, who says yes to that? It's like the, I always joke about like when we go down to the pier, I'm sure you experience this. I don't know if they did it the same way, but the Marines are like, uh, do you know what contraband is? And you're like, yeah. And do you have any? No. You know, like, and if I had an Uzi in my pants, I wouldn't tell you. So like, what is this? I don't understand why that's effective in any way or. Right. Or what the point is, but no, whatever. I laughed about that. And I Hilarious. said, I was like, who says yes to that? Is yeah, it just like, yeah. is it like one of those? Oh, it was a phase in college. You know? I think, yeah, it's just so they can, <laughs> it's just so they can hold it against you later. If you do anything right. stupid, like you said no to this. Yeah. But whatever. yeah, it, it always makes me laugh, but sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. But, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, so while I was out there, uh, doing God's work, um, mm-hmm. we, uh, that's when I made chief, um, it actually was my fourth time up, um, which was funny because I made 
everything else first time up. I was in the high 90 percentile every time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then as soon as I, I was so out of rate teaching and then so out of rate at projects that, uh, I was, I think I, it took me the fourth time to even like crack the 40th percentile. <laughs> oh yeah. On the exam. It was, it was a huge Jeez. shock for me, yeah. uh, after historically doing so well on all of them. But, um, right. But anyways, so made chief there, stuck around there for about a year. Um, and then, uh, transferred back to shore duty. So I'm back at sub school again, teaching, um, which is kind of nice. Partly it was just familiarity. I knew where I was going and there wasn't a whole lot of other options that sounded exciting to me. Right. And then part of it was my wife and is from here and all of her family is out here. So yeah. we spent four years on the other coast with our kids because we had two kids while we were out there. So now they can be around and see the other side of their family. Yeah. The, God, the A school job was super rewarding for me. So I can't like, I can imagine being a best instructor is, or like, and I, and I don't know what side of the house you're on, but like the being a, an instructor there would be yeah, yeah. similar in, in that, like the interactions that you get to have with those kids and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. That's, that's part of one of the things that I liked about it so much is, um, I don't know, not to sound like, I don't know. It's probably going to come out totally wrong, but, um, everybody's still moldable, you know, like they still like you haven't been to a boat yet. You haven't had a chance to get like all your excitement sucked out of you. (laughs) Um, and so you still have that like, man, I can't wait to go to a boat. What's this like? What's this like? You know? Yeah. And you, you have the ability to like help these guys and answer those questions before they get, you know, fall into the wrong. Right. And that I talk about that a lot where it's like, they're, they're in still in the phase of training where they're being prepared for a Navy that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like where they're just like, you know, you're, you're telling them. Cause like, I remember I got a call from a buddy of mine that was at, uh, I was when I was at a school, he was at sub school at best. And, uh, he called me up. He goes, bro, what are you teaching those kids at, at a school? And I'm like, I thought somebody got in trouble or something. And I was right, just right. like, what do you mean? He goes, every time I get a CSA school student down here, they're standing at attention outside my office and they knock three times and request to enter before they do. And then they like take three steps in and report. And I'm like, what? Okay. So you're mad at me for teaching military bearing. Right. Right. But it's like on the flip side of that coin, it's like, you, you know, when you get to sub school, it's like, it's not going to be like that on a submarine, like almost ever, unless you're like in trouble and you're reporting right, right. for a DRB or something. So it's like, it, it, it was an interesting conversation and it's something that I, I talk about so much because it's like, we spend a lot of time in, in the training pipeline that that's where we're building the foundation where we're kind of teaching them like, Hey, this is, these are the tools that you need to succeed when you get to the fleet and then they get to the fleet and it's nothing like what we described. And so you're just like, what are we doing at at the, at the RTC level, at the A school level, even at best, it's just like, I think it's probably, I don't know what best is like now. God, it's been so long. Like it was, it was pretty strict when I was there. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I was still getting beat when I was there. It's it's kind but, of changed. It's gone through peaks and valleys. Like when I went yeah. through as a student, we still had uh, NMTs, like the red ropes. Right. Um, and, you know, they would march you in the morning to breakfast and then march you to class. Yeah. And They don't have NMTs anymore? Well, so they got rid of them. I don't know when they got rid of them, but they got rid of them at some point. Because uh, when I was here last time as staff, there was they did not exist. Huh. So the instructors had to do all of that. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just a general, 
you know, body issue like every other command in the Navy just doesn't have enough bodies to, right. to fill all these seats. So um, they kind of just did away with it. And some of it, I think you could tell was kind of lacking at that point, because then you had people who their focus wasn't that their focus was uh, teaching a class. Right. And then when you had time, you would go try to do a uniform inspection or room inspection right, right. or go PT them. And it's like, at the end of the day of you doing all this, it's like, I, I don't know. Do am I really care that much yeah, about the yeah. PT? Like, we'll just call it good or, you yeah, know, just so go stuff to the gym like on your was, own time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so some of that stuff I think was probably starting to uh, slack off a little bit. And, right. um, and I think just as a whole, like Submariners aren't exactly known for being the most, uh, you know, super professional by the book people anyways, I don't think. Which is weird. Like, at it least depends I don't, on in the setting, but yeah, I think professionally, like, like I like way. I kind of get it, but I kind of don't like because if you think about um, like we live and die by like procedural compliance and like <laughs> yeah. so it's like you would think that the two would go hand in hand, but they don't at all. And it's super bizarre. And it makes yeah. me wonder, like, it, if it if the culture was like that, would we be better or worse off? Like, it, do we gain or lose by not being that? Like, I don't know. Like, it's interesting. And I. I mean, obviously, there's a time and place for all of it. I'm not saying like I'm trying to like I like the ide- the ideal model would be to like some idea that like civilians have in the military where we're always like, yes, sir. No, sir. Right away, sir. Right. Like like right. Uh, what is it? I think it was Crimson Tide where like that officer like yells at a guy on a bus and like makes him do push ups. I'm like, I would laugh at that, dude. <laughs> if he like if a department head told me to right. drop and give him 20, I'd be like, ah, nice. Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um but yeah it's like it's a i i would we be better off or worse off if the fleet reflected more closely with that what we're creating or preparing them for in boot camp or like should we just be shifting the model of what we're preparing them for to I mean, more align with what reality is i i think a lot of that uh honestly it just stems from the size of the commands yeah. uh you know if you just have a smaller command you're going to be more familiar with everybody and it's you're not going to walk up and and uh, if somebody told you something, but if it's somebody that you see, you know, all day, every day, especially right. in the way you work with them all the time, you're just going to become more familiar with that person, regardless of their rank. I mean, you still respect the rank. You still, right. uh, you know, talk to them appropriately, but you're still eventually like, I mean, they still put their pants on one leg at a time. You know, they're <laughs> still just a guy doing a job. Yeah. They just have a different job. So it's, it's, uh, I think I would, I would bet that on like, uh, small boys, surface ships and, and, uh, you know, like dive lockers, small commands right, like right. that. Yeah. They're probably the same where you're all, you still respect the position and the rank, but, uh, you're a little more familiar with everybody. So you lose some of that professionalism in that sense, Yeah, but you're still, you know, the, I would still think that the good commands or the good rates or divisions or whatever are still going to be like this is what the book says this is how you do this they're still going to have that technical expertise yeah and i think that that's like uh, as as i get more and more into this debate of i've been exploring a lot the topic of uh, the the trust issue between basically the chief's mess and everyone it's not like Mm -hmm. initially my scope was limited to junior enlist in the chief's mess because that's the interaction that we focus on the most but then right. i've had more and more conversations where it's like no the off the officers and, and chiefs have issues too and so it's like okay it's pretty of much course. everybody yeah so it's just a, the the reasons why 
the trust erodes and stuff like that, right? Like it's still primarily focused on the, the junior listed senior listed relationship, but the more and more I get into it and it, it's like the, I, I, I interact with people that are of other communities, primarily the surface Navy. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I have a hard time. Like sometimes I'm having the conversation and I'm like, I don't really see that because on submarines X, Y, and Z, right? Like it's not, it's not the same. Not that the same issues don't exist because they do. And it's to varying degrees on varying platforms and just from command to command, every climate is right. different. But it's it's kind of like there's certain issues like and one of the ones that were pointed at a lot as I was kind of asking the question, like, what's the issue is this like separation uh, where the chiefs are kind of like up in the ivory tower in the chief's mess and they have their own place to eat and their own place to hang out and they never see their chief. And it's like, yeah, that. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it really doesn't because like the chief's quarters on a submarine is so small and it's like, right. It's not, there is a, there is a gap there, right? Like I, I don't know any E6 and below that's like super excited about having to go knock on the chief's quarters door. But at, at the <laughs> right. same, at the same time, it's like, I, I don't feel like they, they're as worried about it either. You know what I mean? Like they're not, it's not, it doesn't seem like as big of a, a barrier, I guess. Right. So and then and then because that's such a small space and because I have to go into the work center to do my job, it's like you're going to see your chief a lot more frequently than like on a larger platform where the divisions are larger and there's more supervision and there's just more surface area for the chief to be somewhere else and be engaged in other things. And maybe they stand watch in a different area of the ship. And so, yeah, you're going to have way less access and exposure so that that division is going to feel much larger, I guess. I, um, I think a lot of that also comes from uh, and you've kind of mentioned it before, too, or touched on it with like the the secrecy behind yeah. what happens. And I think a lot of it is it's not so much secrecy. It's just the lack of of knowing what's going on. So, like, right. I think the assumption is, is if they're not here doing stuff, then they're not doing anything. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> and which, you know, it's it's really easy to have that mindset until you're there. and it. I kind of got a uh, you know a bunch of guys giving me a hard time when I went back to coming back to a school or it's not specifically a school but any, you know yeah, back here yeah. and it's like oh well you know that must be nice you can go home at noon every day and not do much and <laughs> you know you're not you don't have to teach now and yeah and honestly I kind of miss the teaching side of it but um, right well that's funny because like man when I was at the a school we were perpetually under man so like. I was a senior enlisted leader as a senior chief and I was pushing classes too. So like, I mean, we never left before like 1730. So it wasn't, it wasn't a shore duty in the classic sense, like that people assume. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely a lot of things that I don't have to deal with that I did previously or that some of the other guys in my, in in the office do. But, um, it's, there's, there's so many things like when, when you, especially if you have a larger division, mm-hmm. um, or a lot of people's, you know, so for us, not only do we have our staff that we're concerned about with getting things like NKOs done or yeah. whatever required training, um, we also have all of the students that are in our code. So, you know, when you get your biannual, go update your NFAS, right? Um, it's not just like five guys I got to tell, you know, I mean, I you tell the instructors and they pass it to the students, but when somebody doesn't do it the department master chief's not emailing 
the instructor, they're emailing us and yelling at us about why can't your guys go do this? Right. So then I have to go track down all the, all of the people who didn't and find out why and, and so on and so forth. Or you have a meeting about with this whole, for us, uh, for radio doing the big ETR ITS rating merger. That's so bizarre. It's, I was talking to my buddy about that and yeah, he's like, he's a radium and senior chief and he's just like trying to explain it to me. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense (laughs) from even from being at all these meetings. There's times when I think like, okay, I'm on the side. I get it. You know, I've drank the Kool-Aid. I see where we're going and there's parts of it that I definitely think should happen and I like it. I can't say that I totally buy off on how we're getting there, Yeah, but um, I think the, the intent is, is right. Uh, there's just so many moving pieces that it's it's very confusing and it changes so often that it's also hard to keep up pass that information yeah. to a fleet you know oh yeah 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 um so i can only imagine you know if you're on a boat in guam right now like you probably have the slightest idea of what's going right on. and it's probably been passed through the filters of like yeah you know i mean like like exactly. the telephone game so by the time it gets to them it's like a fraction of truth and a exactly. large portion of i just made this up because the sky is falling um, and some of it is not being able to explain you know again it kind of goes back to that chief side of it is we'll go to a meeting about this and that's where our entire chief's office will be is sitting through meetings with right. multiple different commands with RCO with SLC CO with all these people right. trying to go over what's going to happen and how it should or shouldn't happen and what we think. Yeah. And, uh, and so they just see, Oh, well chiefs are just gone all day. Right. But and it's s- like, we're working on stuff. We're still right. doing things. But <laughs> do you think that there is like a mechanism for, communicating that and in, in a way that because I like to basically break down the perception of well they're gone so they must not be doing anything especially like I, I imagine the problem is much larger and much more difficult to conquer on like large surface platforms but right if you is there a way to kind of combat the what they go in the chief's mess and close the door and especially that that aspect of it because that's what mm-hmm. is perceived to be like nefarious and like that. Right. they're just in there sweeping all kinds of stuff under the rug. Like, right. Right. And, and so it's, I've always wondered is like, I, I've, I've always gone out of my way to, to the extent that I can to explain the things to the juniors, right? Like what happened in that meeting or what, like what happened when this decision was made? Like maybe we had a meeting a month ago about sailor of the quarter. And then when the results come out, explain what I can right to right. clarify or pull, pull the curtain back just a little bit or provide some transparency because like I had a, a conversation on Reddit with a kid about, um, I just think it was about uh, the chief's board and basically like they should specifically debrief you on why you weren't selected so that you can work on those areas, et cetera, like right. basically give you a counseling on why you didn't advance. Right. Right. Which we are supposed to do post advancement exam. Anyway, it's effectively right. a career development board requirement. So why aren't we like, I mean, you, it'd be as simple as providing a sheet to them saying, Hey, this is the, cause they're like the precepts are BS and the, and the convening document and all this. It doesn't provide anything specific. It's just like, this is what we're looking for. And these are the criteria for selection. So, and that's, that's hard specifically with the chief results, because if you, if, if you haven't been to a board, if you haven't sat as a recorder or actually on the board, then you can't a hundred percent say, you know, what goes on. Right. 
Right. Um, because if you have, you also can't tell anybody what goes Which, on there. But that's the part that I don't understand because like I understand there's parts of the process and I, I'm trying to to sit aboard while I'm on the shore duty so that I understand. Yeah, I'm in, trying to like, be a recorder personally. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure that out uh, personally, but I have I did an entire episode on Chiefs packages where I mm-hmm. I went to a CMC that had sat multiple boards and got everything I could from him. But there was a lot of stuff about it that I don't under. It's like, I, I think there's, there's like rules. So I read all the instructions recently for like the board members and application process. Mm-hmm. And it specifically says in there that you can't give any service member specific counseling post board if you were a member and they weren't selected. And so you kind of mm-hmm. know why they weren't selected. And I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, why not? Like what, right. what, what am I going to reveal? Like what a, besides really valuable like information that would contribute to their professional development? Like why is there not like a, I, even, even a, some kind of a mechanism for the board members to prepare a sheet just saying like up checks, down checks, or like some kind of a summary saying like, Hey man, this is what you need to work on. These were the issues or like, this, these were the things you were missing or these, are like, I don't know. Like there, I feel like there's some kind of valuable specific information that could be provided via something to the service member that's not selected saying, Hey, this is what you needed to work on. The, the only thing that I could see with that, uh, I mean, I totally agree. Um, but somebody had a good point once when I was saying basically the same thing as, um, there are the usual argument that you hear is that there's just not enough time to do all that. Right. Which I completely um, understand. And I, I right. think is reality based on the people I've talked to about it. But I've also heard the, uh, the argument that you just, uh, if you say this is do X, Y, and Z and you will make it, um, is, is, uh, it, it opens up the ability to game the system in a way. So uh, if you okay. go, Oh, okay. I only need to qualify these specific things right and i only need to do this then then that's all you have to do you don't have you know of course they're looking for sustained superior performance right so on top of all the other requirements that are laid out and you know a bunch of different places um they don't want you to just game the system and do the what you need to do to get there they want you to just overall be good enough without knowing exactly what it is which but, I can kind of see that in a sense. I, but. I mean, I, I get, I get it kind of like, I, I understand why I guess how you could get to that conclusion, but I don't, well, there's, I'm not saying that the feedback would have to be specific to like, these are the five right. things that you need to do. And then you will make chief like, no, I'm just saying like down checks, up checks, keep charging. You know what I mean? Like, well, you something. could kind of, I mean, in a sense, Theoretically, that already happens with the CDBs when you don't make it right. But, but does it if I, so? Well, just for example, other, okay, go me SEL at an A school, never having sat a board, mm-hmm. and I don't even think at the time my CMC had sat a board yet. He sat one shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting down and debriefing them on why they weren't because we did them. We did CDBs and we reported completion. I've never sat a board. I have no board experience. So, like you were just saying, who who am I to tell them what the board? did or did not consider in their selection. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I, a lot of it, it, it requires just some sort of faith or t- trust in the system yeah. because they put out, <laughs> which is crazy. And it's, yeah, like, you spend enough time in the Navy and it's really hard to have that sometimes. Yeah. But, um, if you look at, you know, in a sense, they tell you what you need, 
before they just give you that feedback before the board right with through the the, precepts the ladder yeah. the precepts yep. right and that's that so was my counter argument was like hey man they told you all this already like and it, it is general and it's not like but right. it's, to me if you go look at a chief's eval and in all the blocks and it tells you all the things that were evaluated by like they have the traits and the little sub bullets that tell you this mm-hmm. is what you should be doing and then like you were saying the ladders the board convening letter and precepts like that there's enough information that i feel like you should know the direction you need to go and at what point are we just making excuses for not trying hard enough or not taking the most challenging assignments or not doing the hard things that need to be done to get promoted because i i don't know like i i think that it like we could be a lot better at it procedurally like i think there's things we could do better but Mm -hmm. i don't think those things are going to make some gigantic difference in sailor x's life and their ability and their ability to get promoted like i could it be valuable sure but like is it really going to change whether or not you get promoted a year too early i don't think so like i feel like it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry the majority of the time what you need to do i think where we get more into the weeds is like the i see a lot of random stuff on reddit about bake sales and like all this other crap on how people get EPs and how that's why the system doesn't work because the sailor that is an expert in their rate and does the majority of the heavy lifting in the work center is the, is the one that gets overlooked and the look at me, I'm doing 17 collateral duties poorly and and doing bake sales and stuff is the one getting the EP. And that's always hard too. Cause there's, I, I, maybe it's a, a, it's hard to say how much of it's a submarine specific mindset and, right. and how much of it's Navy wide, but I, I would like to think that most of it translates across fleets. But yeah. um, if I always tell the guys, like if just out qualify people, like just right. keep qualifying something until they will not let you, because that's the one easy thing when you go into a ranking board that you can say, this guy yep. is this many quals better than the next guy. I, f- you know I, I, mean? like, I do. I like, I do think that's submarine specific um, I, I, to an extent not that, that makes them actually better, but yeah. that's an easy, tangible thing that I can point to right. and say, look at how much this guy has tangibly completed and done. Yeah. And that's the hard thing with, it's hard to show uh, uh, somebody could just be really good at their job. Like we right. had last time I was out here, we had a guy in our office who was a really great instructor, like really good about teaching was, would spend all the time, would do all that. Like students left there. I feel like actually knowing things a lot better. Right. Um, but he didn't have a whole lot of other things like you can always say like i whether or not you graduated them better or worse like unless you take the time to show that his test scores are on average he has better test scores or he has you know unless you do that that's that's a hard thing to show because otherwise you just say okay he taught five a school classes so did this other guy what's what's the difference right yeah i and Cause I think everything is weighted differently. Like I think in my, at least I, I, the interactions I've had with surface sailors have been limited to the senior enlisted Academy and then CSA school where I work primarily with surface instructors. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the quals thing is we put a lot more weight on it than the surface fleet does. Not that it doesn't mean anything true, but I think we, because the weird thing for us is most surface ratings don't qualify the same things almost ever where for us it's right, like right. it all converges on ships control eventually and so for the forward guys anyway and then right. same thing back in the nuclear realm it all converges on like engineering watch supervisor and engineering duty petty officer so it's like it but i think the 
surface folks, it's like the quals matter and like there's specific quals that certain guys can get that, that, that matters. But it's like, I think it's a bunch of other stuff <laughs> that it all adds up to that, you know, whatever it is. I think, and it's all very like community or rating specific. Um, well, but it's I th- also the other general thing that I think would translate though across me if, if not so much quals is, uh, I mean, it sounds, maybe it sounds bad, but I feel like at least from my experience, it seems to be fairly true is the uh it's just FaceTime with everybody so it's not the fact that you sold cupcakes or whatever (laughs) the case right but by doing that you had to interact with how many different people right and how many different people saw you and so when your name comes up especially a really large command that's that happens here when we have you know it's so sleazy though people that you when you've got this a couple hundred people that you're trying to rank and you're looking at it going yeah, i don't even know who 300 of these people are it's so sleazy though because i've always it, looked it at is. it from like an analytic standpoint like you were saying earlier with the a school thing like we had a and i don't it predated me i we just started to use the data for this this purpose but we had a database and i i, I would assume every schoolhouse has something similar but it had all the test scores in it and it had who the lead mm-hmm. instructors were so that I could basically run analytics on it and figure out who was the best and better. Who, you know, yeah. Like whose results were better. And I mean, we did a lot with uh, like military bearing based stuff too, where I, I mean, I would go in and monitor instructors for MTS stuff and just for instructor evaluations. And it mm-hmm. was like, I could tell and small schoolhouse. So like it was only 25 instructors total. So like, there was only uh, based on our curriculum length, five classes max running at a time. And then there could be a bunch of hold students. So it's like it was, it was manageable where I could see which classes had the better military bearing, which classes uniforms looked better, which, um, and then Mm -hmm. I could use the analytics to figure out which instructors were the most effective, at least through test scores and stuff like that. So, um, and we added in like uniform inspections and everything else, trying to use those metrics for uh, awards, like individual achievement awards for the students and then right. the class, like being an honor class or whatever. So I think that it's kind of like it's our responsibility to evaluate those things, however, but like through whatever means we have so that the sailor that is the high level expert in their field and devotes the majority, if not all of their bandwidth to their primary duty is getting the credit that they should be getting for that primary duty. Cause I would use like probably a gangers as an example of where like Mm -hmm. out, I mean, do they, most of them stand watch and stuff like that, but it's like, they are all of their time is spent fixing the boat. So it's like, that's generally what they'll get the recognition for is like, you know, the high packs are working because he spent 18 hours straight doing whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so I think it's our responsibility to be able to, like do those things. And that's the thing that always drove me nuts is that ranking boards that I've been to have never had any kind of a formal structure where I've always wanted to. And I, and I plan on doing this if I'm ever wearing a cookie to work is the having like a package where I have like all the information prepared by chief, whoever for that division that it's like I, all the chiefs can review those packages, grade them independently. And then we go into a ranking board instead of mm-hmm. walking in and it's like a guy with a dry race marker and everybody, okay, brief your guy. Okay. You brief your guy. And it's like, sometimes their chiefs, they're, they're the chiefs ready and prepared and has all the things, but sometimes they're just not prepared because they're doing a bad job. And sometimes unfairly, it's like they just walk in. It's like another thing they have to check off of their 
excuse me, I'll bleep that out. Uh, <laughs> they walk in with their their pocket brain and they're like, uh, uh, yeah, so he does these things. And then it's like, I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, uh, isn't he your RPPO? Isn't he this? Like, didn't he do these right. other five? And it's like, why do I know this and you don't know this? And it's not because they're a bad guy. It's because they just came from supervising you know, Petty Officer Timmy fixing the freaking high packs for 18 hours straight. You know what I mean? So it's like I could we could go through and independently grade them all with these packages in our hands and then go in there and talk about it. And I think it'd be a much more educated debate and a much more like finished, accurate product at the end. You know what I mean? Like because that was that was definitely one of those things that we I mean, I, I, I totally see the merits of that when we used to I I had a, a chief who always he said basically like when we go in there like i'm the gun you need to give me the bullets right right so uh and, and i say the same and that's thing, the downside man. is there's guys that go in there and they could be awesome but they're just bad at at keeping track of what they did or what right. they do right um and honestly more often than not what i've seen is guys who do really well um who are like your awesome person in your division it's not that they are bad at keeping notes on what they've done. It's that they just look at it as this is just my job. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm an A-ganger. My like job humbly, is to fix they're the, just a- like, yes, the high I, pack. I, I was, as I just did my job. And that's kind of like, and, and I've heard that in, and I'm sure you have in ranking boards where like mm-hmm. chief, chief Smith is briefing his guy. And then when he's done the other chief who has a guy that they think is better, that is like maybe a collateral duty cowboy, or maybe they're this, that, and the other thing. Right. It's like, they're like, Oh, so he did his job. And it's like, man, shut up. Like, <laughs> like, a, we're right. not here to like tear each other down. B, like the, I mean, to a certain extent, because like I'll, same thing in awards boards, right? Like I, I'm this last mm-hmm. tour was a department chief tour for me, and I spent a lot of time in awards boards, and it was, I don't, I could go down the road of like the awards and recognition in the Navy and how I'm not a big fan of how it works, but because I do think it should be merit based and should be for something abnormal instead of just like we finished a deployment, let's open the Nam Nam cannon, <laughs> but. At the same time, it's like during the course of just doing their job, sometimes they do an extraordinary job or in comparison to everyone else or whatever. Right. right? Like sometimes doing their job, the demand of that mission was exceptional and they got it done and they did a great job. So it's like, you know, what I mean, it's like a, you got to right. evaluate that case by case. So it's like that always drove me nuts, too, because I would hear that in ranking. Oh, they just did their job. Yeah, man, they did. And guess what we're evaluating right now? How well they did their job. Like, right. so it drives me well, nuts. When and we not get just that, that like you also have, even with the collaterals, you have guys that, that have a bunch of them, but just having it doesn't right. mean that it's a good thing, right? right? You could be terrible with your collateral duty. Yep. Um, we had a CCC and it was like, oh yeah, okay. He did three reenlistments <laughs> and he got two SRBs. Yeah. And so they were like, that was it. He got two S and it's like, yeah. he doesn't control the quotas right. for SRBs, number one. <laughs> number two, there's the command isn't very big. Three yeah. people is like, is like double digit right. percentage. And being a people. collateral duty career counselor is not fun. Like just so no. everyone, cause I did it and I did it as a new chief because they were basically like, Hey, we're firing this first class. You're up boot. And I was just like, Oh, right. neat. I made chief. And now I have to take the <laughs> toughest collateral duty on the largest submarine crew in the Navy. Neat. It's so, brutal. Cause like, yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's, it's so, uh, you can't just be like, oh, I just forgot to send out yeah, this email. Nope. I'll do it next week. Like oh you could God. forget to send something and <laughs> yep. now a guy can no longer stay in the Navy. Yep. I was at the beginning like, stage of PTS when I took it and it was like uh, I had 
so many pride swallowing conversations with enlisted community managers where some lieutenant was basically telling me to suck it and like he couldn't help me because I screwed up. And I'm like, well, your multi-million dollar program didn't track this well enough. And you're yelling at me because I didn't track it independently on a spreadsheet that like, because right. so that because the PTS website didn't tell me he needed to put a PTS application in my bad. Like well, I, because did, you were deployed and unable right. to, but, well, no, it was a weird situation where like the, I think they were FTs and it was like, they had a one year extension and it doesn't, uh, it didn't alert you if they had like an extension so they could reenlist before the extension went active. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. like it's really a bizarre situation. And uh, it there was a couple of them like that where it was like the or the kid changed his mind last minute and wanted to stay in. And it's like the PTS thing was like very right. unforgiving. So, yeah, that's now with the with that. I don't know. Back to the the just fixing that uh like the perception of of what say chiefs do or don't do right um and and like you said a lot of it is just not being not a some of it you just can't explain right like i can't right. leave a sailor of the quarter board or, or ranking sport and come back and tell my division why they placed where they placed right. compared to whoever everybody else i can't tell them all that but i think that some of that just requires their trust in me that I did what I could as best as I could um, to fight for that spot. But then it's also a hard spot because I'm only like, I can, you can, some of it is how you present it and how, how well you can kind of argue your position. But I mean, it's, it's the, what the sailor did. Like I can't go in there and just make up that he did a bunch of stuff or didn't do a bunch of stuff. Like it's, it's kind of, it's still on them. Um, But some of that secrecy is is stuff that you just can't really talk about because it's either not appropriate or whatever the case is. Um, and I think a lot of it is, uh, oh, what was I going to say? I, anyways, that opens up to a lot of assumptions and stuff right. from, from people. But um, but I think a lot of that is is uh, when you talk about what you can and you explain those things as best you can. Part of the problem, though, is like say we go to a meeting about. I don't know, whatever the case is, go to some meeting for something and you leave there and I got to explain, this is what we have to do now. And they're looking at you like, well, that's the stupidest thing ever. Why would you, you know, that screws me or the division or whatever the case is. And it's, and I may totally agree with them, but I can't go in there and be like, yeah, well, it's because chief so-and-so is a jerk. And yeah, this is what, you know, master chief (laughs) so-and-so said. So I just had to take it on the chin and sorry. Like, yeah. I mean, sometimes that happens and and hopefully not often. I think we, um, I think we talk about that specific situation. Like sailors aren't intelligent enough to figure that out on their own. Right. Like, so if you're, if you, if you take the time to build the trust and I want to ask you how you do that in a second, but if you take the time to build that trust and your sailors do trust you and they do genuinely believe that you care about them, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Like these kids are smart. So like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that when you deliver that message that you're swallowing a a, <laughs> a pill you right. don't want to swallow. You know what I mean? But like you're playing the good soldier and coming out and briefing the division and going forward like it's your plan. Got it. We understand. Like they're going to be able to tell the difference. Um, and I think that them being able to read you because you're making yourself and like, I don't know, emotionally available is the right way to say it, but like you're making yourself right. like you're presenting your yourself truthfully and you're building that kind of a rapport with them. They're going to be like, okay, got it. Like here, we're, we're all going to eat this crap sandwich together. Like, 
and, and I I never really had an issue there with. I mean, there were day, we're did twenty hour food loads before, and it's just like yeah. I didn't have to sell them on that. Like they understood that I went in there and fought for what I needed to fight for. And sometimes the mission just demands extraordinary things of our time and our effort. And it's just like, it is what it is, man. But Mm -hmm. I also on the back end, I had already like leveraged whatever time I could to get them all the time off. I could, I took care of them in every way that I could so that when I had to demand that of them, they just roger that. Let's go. Like, let's make it happen. Right. Right. But so I, yeah, that's, that's true. When you say that about like them, being perceptive to that because I mean, I'm sure you had the same thing. I'm sure most everybody has like, you can kind of have an idea of how, where your chief falls yeah. in the pecking order. Like when you were an E five <laughs> yeah. or an E six. And, and how do you know that? Like you just do. It's weird. Right. Like you could rank the chiefs in order of influence as an E five and you probably wouldn't be far off. You know what I mean? Right, like right. that's You'd probably how do you come know close that? to their eval. Right. Placing. You probably could rank them it, like exactly how they fell out. And it's just like, how does that, how does that? Cause like on my, on my first boat, I was a new chief learning, blah, blah, blah. Like I wasn't not assertive and I, I held my own, but I was learning. And I mean, it was a, right. it was a lion's den where I was at. And then when I went to uh, my second submarine as a chief, I was a senior chief. I was the most senior senior chief on the submarine that wasn't named Cobb. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine like it was, simple like i was i was very senior i was in a position to be a leader in the mess and i mean it was a running joke that i was the cob half of the time because like i would fill in so often and like i'd sign the plan of the day right. and like so it was just like it was it was a joke to a lot of people especially the yeoman because they brought me the plan of the day but it was <laughs> it you know it was totally different and it was one of those like you could just you could just look and, and figure it out and, and rank them it's yeah they're incredible yeah no there's there's definitely, and that's the, it's, it sounds bad. And I, and I had that issue last time I was on shore duty. The chief that I had was, was not one of the chiefs that I had in one of my offices. Um, he was just not there. It seemed like, yeah. um, yeah. like it was, it was easy to, you know, you talk to somebody else in a different department, different division and be like, Oh, who's your chief? And you tell them the name and they, and then like, you're talking to another chief. And you could see them kind of go, uh, who's that guy again? Yeah. And it's one of those like, oh, that doesn't fare well for me. Like, right. <laughs> um, and, and he may have been great, but it's just one of those like, this guy obviously isn't very high in the, you know, the pecking order, I right. guess. And, um, and so it's a shame because it, you could see the difference in our office. There were some guys that just went, well, this is just, it is what it is. You know, this is the hand I was dealt. Yep. And then you had other people, you know, it's everything only lasts three years in the Navy. Um, <laughs> but then you had me and there was a uh, one or two other guys in our office who just had made friends with other chiefs outside of our di- division, um, outside of our office. Yeah. And so it was like, I would just go talk to them. I mean, part of it was because a, a guy that I'd known from boot camp, he had made chief well before me. Um, and so he just from dealing with him and while he was around other people. So I was able to go talk to other chiefs and just say like, Hey man, this doesn't seem right. And I don't think I'm getting the right answer or any answer or whatever the case is. Right. And you know, you find the chief that you can talk to and they would, they would help, you know, plead your case or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, they would kind of look out for you because you know, that's the, one of the things that we're told is, is, you know, all sailors are your sailors. It's not right. just your division. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, 
and I mean, obviously some people take that stuff to heart more than others, but, uh, it was definitely different just being able to go talk to somebody else, um, and have somebody else that was receptive to it. Even if they're not like, there's a guy that I go talk to all the time. He was on my first boat, but he's, uh, an A ganger, Mm -hmm. um, totally different position, different department, different rate, different everything. But I'll still talk to him about some things just because he doesn't know specifically what I'm talking about, but just kind of say like, Hey, if this was your scenario, what would you, right. You know, and I have my own people in my own office. I could ask the same stuff to, but sometimes that outside look on something is different because they don't have a bias. They don't know. Yep. Yeah. I do that a lot, man, where it's like, I, I react emotionally to things sometimes. And it's like, I don't all yeah. like, I get to the point where I start to analyze my react. Cause I I've learned through experience to, to like slow down. Like when you start getting this fired up, like you, you skip steps. And so it's like, calm down, analyze this a little bit, figure out if the, if you right. should be as wound up as you are. Right. And so like, I'll get fired up, man. And I'll, I'll go ask questions to make sure I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth, uh, with anyone. And then like right now I screen it through my CMC cause it's like, dude, he's amazing. And he's, I mm-hmm. idolize this dude a lot, but it's, I, so I go talk to him and I'm like, should I be as, as upset as I am about this? I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. And I brief him on everything. He goes, yeah, you're good, man. Or he'll be like, well, think about this, you know, and maybe right. he powers me down a little bit. And then I go ask more questions and I come to a resolution some other way because I was missing a piece of the puzzle, but it's like, yeah, I, I, the part I was going to ask is like when you were just going through that, like, why do you think, and this is going to be a hard question to phrase, like there's such a wildly varying flavor of leader out there, mm-hmm. like where you were just describing, like there's chiefs that you can't even find or name out of a lineup. And then there's some that are super ultra engaged and all over it all the time. And they, and they take all those things seriously. Uh, and then there's such a rainbow selection in between the two polars of completely disengaged to live in life, living and breathing the creed, right? Like it's right. I don't, it's something I've always been curious about why I run into there's so such a wide variance, but then it seems like it's a wide variance leaning towards, I don't know, like middle of the road or slightly less engaged. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, you yeah. don't see a lot of zealots out there like, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. I would consider myself among them. So I'm not using that as a negative phrase like I, I you don't see as many of them anymore. And I don't know if if it's because as I've promoted up, right, like guys, just the energy scale goes down as you as you do this for a longer <laughs> and longer period of time. I yeah. can tell you that. So it's like I I think that might have something to do with it. But then I've got I've got guys that buddies that are master chiefs that are saying they're going to go be cobs that I'm like, you're disengaged, man. Like, I don't know if you don't recognize it because you think, or you actually were in the past super engaged and you've taken your foot off the pedal and don't even realize it. Or if you just don't care or what happened, like it's confusing to me on why there's such a variance. I, I mean, I think it's the same reason there's a variance in pretty much everything else, right? Like you, Every person is totally different. Yeah. How they were brought up, the reason they joined, the reason they're still in. Right. Some guys are just doing it because they need the health benefits because they had a kid that they weren't planning on. Right. You know, some people are doing it because they love it. Some people it's because they have terrified to get out because they don't know what else to do. Right. Um, and so that's going to bleed into how they do what they do. But um, 
it's the same with, uh, I used to always, I still say that nobody, by the time you've been in probably 10, 12 years, like you're not, you are who you are. You're not going to make some monumental change in the type of person you are uh, with the type of like sailor that you are at least. I don't think at least so unless, do you th- shy of like some catastrophic event. Okay. I was going to say unless there's a catalyst, I would agree right. with so you like, unless there's a catalyst. Right. Yeah. So, so if you're, you know, you're that guy who always shows up and qualifies everything right off the bat mm. and, and just knocks it out and, and then you're done and then you're always looking for something like that's the same sailor that, that you've been since you joined. Yeah. You, yeah. I, so ni- I think- 95% of the time, I would think that that he's always been that person. So when he made chief, he's going to continue to be that person. Like, yeah, very rarely are you going to develop these career habits Yeah, and then you get pinned anchors and you're just like, eh, time to throw my feet up and not care. <laughs> it just doesn't, right. that doesn't happen. I think, so I think you'd get, you get two different flavors of that where you get somebody that attacks everything and, and, and does the quality the, the one you just described, right? There's going to be an arc at some point where I think they're going to still be that sailor, but they're going to slow down. And it's mm-hmm. like, and not always, but they're going to slow down to the point that at some point I would think there would be like a, a moment where it's almost like, okay, you're disengaged, right? Like you're, you're arcing, you're arcing, you're disengaged. Yeah. And they, but it's kind of like, it'd be like a fighter, right? Where they'd be like, they get to the tail end of their career and they still think they're the, they're in their fighting prime and they're getting smoked by everybody. And it's no, I'm still this guy. And it's like, nah, you're really not. And so it's yeah. like, I think that I I've seen that a bunch recently and I, and I didn't really exactly recognize it. I just assumed that they knew they were disengaged. And it's like, I don't think that's the case. I think at one point they just, for whatever reason, maybe ran out of energy or, or something bad happened and they just never put their foot back on the pedal. You find people that I don't think they exactly know that they've taken their foot off the pedal. But then I think the flip side of it is you get, you get those ones that maybe they were just punching a clock for the longest time. And then you get them to a point where with a catalyst, they could turn themselves into something more than that. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. could turn it around and, but I think it would take some kind of redirection somehow for like running right. into a really great mentor or leader or, or something. Um, or you're that, you're that nonstop EP sailor forever on the boat. And then you show up to a uh, shore duty somewhere and you're the new junior yeah, guy. You get destroyed. However many, and you just get punched in the face with a pee that you weren't, <laughs> you're not expecting, yeah. you know, and you're like, wow, okay, what do I got to do to fix that? Yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, l- like I said, I mean, short of some catalyst, like you're saying it, I think that people are generally who they are. I think you may be seeing, and, and I mean, I see it also, but I think the, the reason that we see some of that foot off the gas is just shore duty. Yeah. Um, which is, it's great. Uh, depending on the shore duty, obviously, right. I think some of the great part of it is I think it's great to learn all of those leadership type things at a shore duty because it's not so high stakes, at least at like a training command. Yeah. How you deal with a student, say you can or your staff, you're trying to you have a lot of people and you can say, hey, this is what needs to happen. But it's not like, you know, we always joke like sub school's not getting underway tomorrow. So there's no. 
critical. Uh, yeah, this, this, I, so there's still things that you, I was know, gonna, you still have deadlines. But, but it's a training but, command, so I would say less so than naval base galleys not getting underway tomorrow. But I would say sub school is getting underway tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like in in that they're going to go to a submarine and get underway tomorrow. So I better not screw this up to the extent right. that that is going to contribute to their success. You know what I mean? Like I I I, I was a zealot at <laughs> at CSA school about that training pipeline being taken seriously because like that to prepare them, like I didn't want a student leaving that schoolhouse without being as prepared as they possibly could be because we're, right. and we were already at a disadvantage because of how short the curriculum is. So you get sailors that show up that are barely prepared to do the bare minimum required of the rate. Right. But so I was like, I'm, I want them to be as prepared as possible for success on a ship or a submarine or whatever when they leave here, because it, it's the it, only chance you have. Right. It's like, the, I mean, well, it's the only, training that they get before they get there and it's like and i know what it was like to step on board a submarine day one and not have any idea what to do so it's like the most prepared we can get them the better but i i I completely understand and agree with your point is like the the stakes are definitely lower nobody's going to get killed if we screw something up like could happen on a submarine etc so it's like yeah Right. I I think that's just that's why I say it's good for the training command side of it Mm -hmm. or for the leadership learning of it is that you can you have tons of opportunities to deal with counseling somebody. Right. Right. Like you worked at an A school. How often did you see students get counseled for one thing or another? It's basically every day of the week for somebody, depending on the amount of students, obviously, just, you know, the more you have, the more opportunities there are for somebody to do something. Yeah. So you, you get to learn more of it that way and see the different approaches, see who's a yeller and right. does that work and who's not a yeller. But and how many, the, how many people do you think are, are looking at it from that kind of a perspective where they're learning, learning from how other people do it and then experimenting with techniques to see what works best in their interactions with sailors. And then how many people are just conforming to what's going on around them? Oh, we're, oh, oh this yeah. is what we do at a DRB. We just flame spray everybody. Okay. Like, and then they just jump in. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I definitely see a lot of that. Um, uh, it's th- there's definitely some things that I I can't say that I totally agree with right. that I've seen happen. But again, showing up, uh, I've only been here for a few months, yeah. so it's it's hard to. I generally try to reserve any sort of you're doing it wrong or I disagree with yeah, this. Yeah, like you have to see how it plays out, right? There right. could be a reason behind it. Right. Um, you just kind of have to keep your eyes and ears open for a little bit and uh and think on it but um i i think i think more often than not people are probably just conforming to what's going on around them with in any situation like if you show up and you go oh so we don't actually do this maintenance we don't clean in this filter we just sign it every week because who cares like oh that's that's what i'm gonna do right like you just do what's around you for the good or the bad if you show up and everybody else has qualified something in your division and you're not then all of a sudden it's like oh well, i should, I guess pro- I'm, I should probably get on that <laughs> yeah i'm i'm the screwed up guy yeah. here i should be doing that so it, it works in the positive and the negative but with that lack of urgency of with that lack of we're, we're not getting underway we don't have tre coming up we don't have all of these things this you know major maintenance going on you lose some of that urgency. And so then it's, that's where I think a lot of people will just kind of be like, okay, it's not crisis mode here. I can ease up for a little bit and I'll be okay. And then it just snowballs from there because once you ease up and you get by, it's hard to pick it back up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wired a little differently where like, I don't know what to do when I don't have anything to do. So 
Right. I, I started a podcast because I clearly I needed another challenge in my life. Like, <laughs> I, so I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I know I'm wired a little differently and I try to put that into my calculus as I'm, as I'm analyzing all these things is like, I had a conversation with my CMC recently where I, I had a sailor that was in a screening process, uh, said screening process got shut down for a reason that wasn't valid. Uh, and it got relayed to me and it was like the screening authority said, we're dropping you because you're no longer eligible. Um, and basically in my CMC's mind, he was like, a lot of people would have just said, well, I guess you're not screening anymore. That sucks. What are we, right. what are we doing next? And I was like, nah, uh, uh-uh, this is not going to work. <laughs> and I was like, put my hands on it, figured out what, okay, what did they say? Why did they say you were ineligible? Oh, okay. That's not true. And then I started calling people and compiling like risk, like information or messages saying that, that the information that they right, used right. was invalid and blah, blah, blah. And then I got the screening process turned back on in like 24 hours. And then she screened and got selected and moved on to do it. And, you know, we all celebrated collectively. Yay. And then he came down one day and he was like, uh, he goes, what did you do? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, I didn't know you interjected yourself in this process to get it turned. Like it got turned off and you turned it back on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so like I did my job, right. like, like we were talking about earlier, like all I did was my job. And he was just like, that's not, most people don't do that. Like that's not normal. And I'm like, but it should be. I'm not, like, I was arguing with him about it. I'm like, look, man, I get it. It was a win. Like I went home that day feeling really good about the fact that I chiefed really hard that day. Like I get, I get what you're saying, right. <laughs> but I, I don't think I should be getting praised for doing something abnormal because I think that that response should be normal. You know what I mean? Like, and right, it was right. frustrating to me. Like I was just like, why, why, why are we accepting that the bar's down here? And then when I do something that's, I, I'm like, that should be where the bar is. Like people are patting me on the back. Like, no, like you should, <laughs> should be fired up when somebody doesn't have that kind of a response. I would, I would think I would counter. And he's like, well, that's not reality, man. So good job. And I was just like, man, that's super, it's super <laughs> weird to me. Um, and I get frustrated about it, but, uh, yeah, no, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's always hard just to, to remember to like, take your, to take that step back and go, okay, this is my thought. For, like, this is my normal. This is not everybody's. Right. Normal. I know. Um, and yeah, even with where, with somebody's, you know, if, if you're like, Hey, we need, uh, I don't know, like you need an answer for something and your logical response is like, well, we just shouldn't do it then. Like, this doesn't make sense. But somebody else will have, because that's what makes sense to you. Right. But somebody else will be like, well, actually, here's this other totally absurd way to get this done <laughs> that you didn't think of. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah. okay. Right. And I guess I mean, like, that's why I, there's yeah. a lot of us. I'm not trying to like build the world in my image by any stretch of the imagination, but I find myself sometimes like, like, why, why, why do I have to tell you this? Like why or whatever, you know, where I'm the only one pushing mm-hmm. and it gets really fr- like, I feel like I'm the only one in the room that I'm like, why am I, am I really the only one thinking about this? And I'll like bring it up and they're just like, huh? Oh no, that's a lot of work. Or like, I'll get a lot of the times where I over advocate or something where it's like a say, I'm like, no, we should do this to take care of these sailors, blah, blah, blah. And they're like giving me the, well, they're adults and they should just do it themselves. You know, and it's I'm like, um, right. I feel like this is why we get a paycheck. Like, convince yeah. me I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I had a conversation with a guy the other day about there was this 
thing he was responsible for doing and it they he was provided a list of a, a whole bunch of administrative and and you go here, do this, go here, do that, go online and fill this thing out, fill out this form mm-hmm. and take it here. And these are all the prereqs before you start this class. And he had the form. I never saw it. And I'm his chief, the guy that is in court that, that had to go <laughs> right. to the thing. And he, but he was the guy that ran the program for this class. So it's just like I asked him, I'm like, hey, man, have you ever heard of this one prereq that I I went and checked him into this class and then asked and they asked about it. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. What is that? And then they gave me paperwork and I'm like, OK. And then I went back and talked to people that own the process and was like, what is this? And the guy that I was talking to, he's uh, hang on, let me go check. And he <laughs> so he goes and looks at this piece of paper I've never seen. He goes, oh, yeah, he knew he was supposed to do it. It's right here on this paper that you've never seen before. And I was like, right. I'm like, so I guess he showed it to the service member and this junior sailor that he showed it to. This kid has a history of barely being able to tie his own shoes. Like, come on, man. Right. Like you gave him a list that like really small print with seven things on it that he had to do. I have to walk over to his appointment to make sure he shows up and then check him into the thing. Like, come on. I'm not saying right, that right. I should have to do that, but I am saying that recognizing that that's our reality. Why would you assume? Yeah. You know I mean, and it's like, yeah, I get frustrated because especially when it's a disciplinary thing like this one is, it's like people, disengage and they're just like ah screw him you know like i'm not gonna put the bandwidth in it and it's like bro like he's still a human and he's still a sailor why do i have to explain this to you and that drives me up the wall too and i don't think i'll ever win that argument but i i feel like it's one of those just like you're a if you're a decent human being why do i have to explain this to you right i don't know well and and that's hard on both sides because you have a lot of uh i always hate the people that are like well you you screw something up at some point uh-huh. and they go well if you weren't sure why didn't you ask the question right <laughs> and then your my response has always been like i asked all the questions that i thought that i right you know i like, don't know what i don't, I don't know, know to ask yeah. that then how am i supposed to ask that right. why would i ask that question i don't know what i don't know i got into the process and i screwed something up you know and it's like right even if you have that moment of pause where you're like ah and then you're like i think i know what to do like you're gonna go forward thinking that you know what the right answer is and then find out that you don't. And then that's how we learn and grow. Like, but that's something that I like tag out violations and stuff like that. When stuff like that happens, everything that follows is this dark cloud descends and we add layers of administrative burden to the work controls process. And we do a a critique and an upgrade and remove them from tags and everything else. And it's never treated like, training or like a learning process it's always treated like remediation and punishment you know what i mean and it's always got a negative tone and you got to show up to duty section turnover for a week and do training you idiot (laughs) that's like what did he learn besides you hate him like what did he learn but to not trust leadership or to lose a little more faith in, in humanity i don't that has always driven me nuts too it's just like man like can we just pretend everybody's human they're going to make errors and when they do we learn from it and move on and we get better and we compile like because we talk about it that with the words are that but the the tone and the actual treatment of the people and everything else is does not reflect that right where we're like yeah we got to compile lessons learned and we got to brief them and we got to learn from them and all but it's not treated as like a learning and growing experience is treated like we're remediating idiots. And it's just like, right. Nobody's going to yeah, feel no. like a valued member of a team when they're talked to and treated that way. 
we I, I had a, a CEO at one point um, who he his big statement that he would always make was like the the Navy is run by humans, right? So humans are fallible. We're going to make mistakes. Right. There's no amount of memos and punishment right. that you can put out there. All you're going to do is hide the mistakes. Right. They're like going to the, not the want to come the forward. Punishment, right. Yeah, exactly. The worse the punishment, the more incentivized it is to hide and cover right. up whatever the mistake was. So it was like, just if you screw something up, that's fine. Just come up and say like, Hey, I screwed this up. It's like, sure. You might get disqualified, but it's not going to be like, you know, and you go through the upgrade process or whatever, but it's not going to be yelling at you. Like what an idiot you are. It's like, Hey, stuff happens. Yeah. Like we're all humans. Right. We're all tired. We're all doing a million things. Sometimes things get screwed up. Yeah. It's not malicious. So let's just, Sure, you you take your slap on the wrist of like you're now disqualified. You have to go work on these, go reget these checkouts that you screwed up on, and then you move on in life. Right. And and it's and it was everything was a lot more relaxed and people were more willing to bring things up. But then to, it, it sounded funny, but the argument against that that I'd heard was there was more things getting screwed up. No, um, they're just getting reported. The, it's different. Exactly. Go and that was yeah, that was the yeah. back and forth of it. Was like, are there more things yeah. wrong now, nope. or are there just more things that people yeah. are bringing up? They're just there's yeah. They so I talked to a Sark uh, at length as part of my cob calls, and um, mm. one of the things she said about sexual assault reporting was the same thing, right? Where it was like they have been aggressively training and and educating and creating new mechanisms for reporting and, and doing all these things to make people more comfortable and normalize the conversation, blah, blah, blah. Right. So they see sexual assault reports go like up and they're just, and like, I guess Congress was freaking out and like DOD and military leadership was like, Oh no, we have this huge problem. And it's like, do we, or are we just doing better with getting people to report and then get help and whatever? And she said a lot of the reporting was uh, cause you're any active duty or family members like eligible for help. If it, it could have happened at, when you were a kid. And she said, that's what right, a right. lot of it was. It was people were reporting like sexual abuse from when they were a child. And that's why they were now an alcoholic or having issues with drugs or something. It, it blew my mind a little bit. Cause I was like, Oh, that makes so much more sense because the reporting of it on my end of it, having never experienced it was, uh, it sounded like oh, we have this epidemic, you know what I mean? And even some of that was com- communicated through the training where it was like, I just got this in my head that we have this like huge sexual assault epi- epidemic. And it's like, I mean, it's still, a, it's obviously a huge problem, but it's a lot of it is, is we're just doing a better job of getting people to ask for help. And it's like, and that's okay. <laughs> like, that's a good thing. We want that. So yeah, it's the same thing, man. Like, nah, are we having more problems? Or are people just comfortable bringing them to our attention so that we can get better? Right. Yeah. Uh, I want to go. Yeah. I want to go back to oh, the sorry. trust thing earlier because I I think it's a super interesting conversation. And, and this it t- kind of ties into what we we're just talking about as far as getting sailors to trust you to the point that they will bring things to you, ask for help, share problems, or even challenge you. I think that's one of the ones that I am. I'm the most concerned with is like I want them to challenge me. I want them to tell me, "Hey, senior, I don't think that's sort of a good idea," and here's why. Uh, right. Or, hey, there's this problem. Here's the solution that I think we should enact because of X, Y, and Z, um, whatever. Like they like bring up those concerns or like we come out of like a meeting like we talked about earlier and we present this plan. And then, I mean, you filter a plan that you think is well thought out 
from the chiefs quarters and the, and the senior leadership through a bunch of E fives, they're going to find every single hole that could possibly exist in it. And they're going to tell you about them. Hopefully anyway, but they're going to find every single hole. They're either going to tell each other or they're going to tell you. And I guess that's my question is like, how do you get them to tell you on a regular basis? Cause that was something that I would cultivate relationships with the, the, the folks that I knew would tell me things outside of my division. I worked on my whole division, but I, like I would go out of my way to find the, the vocal ones that I knew were in cruise lounge or the smoke pit talking all kinds of crap about the plan that was just presented at court. <laughs> right. I'm like, you're going to come tell me that because I want to know. And then I would trickle that up. And so like, how do you, how do you think that, that we cultivate that? I guess. Uh, I'm not sure. I think, I mean, that's a good, that's a good point. I think um, a lot of that has to do with just the, your interaction with your, like your familiarity with your division and with, with your guys, because the more comfortable they are with you as a person and not so much as their boss, they're more willing to come talk to you about personal things and not boss things. I'm not saying that you have to go be like everybody in your division's best friend, but the more you talk to them like a human, like you're just a guy working there with them, it's a little bit different. And I know that's like a hard walking the line between what's professional, what your job is and all that. But some of it's that. And I think a lot of it kind of falls back to the almost that pecking order thing. Like, do they think that you can even do anything about it? Yeah. If you're the person like if I'm going to go talk to somebody, there's no point in me complaining to a chief about something as opposed to another first in my division unless I think that that chief can go do something. Right. Otherwise I'm just that guy complaining to my chief. Right. But if I think that he's somebody that has some pull on that situation, then I probably would go tell him so that I feel like there might be some result in that complaining or, or telling him that the plan is all screwed up or whatever. If I, if I bring it up to them, I feel like they would have a, they would do something about it. If they're not going to do anything about it, then there's really no point in me telling them. Right. So if you're perceived as, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that just because they don't talk to you that they think that, you know, you're the low man on the totem right. pole, but <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that's, maybe that's something that needs to be communicated the other way is, you know, Hey, bring this up to me so that I can go make these changes. Right. So like, is there something, so like if, if you shift the perspective from like an individual to like organizationally as a chief's mess, cause, cause like you're saying, so like, if like on my second submarine, I was kind of the guy that I think I, th- I think this is who I was, I guess this is how I perceived it to work was because I had a lot of people come to me was was they came to me because they thought I could get something done and they knew I had the cobs ear. Right. So it was like. Right. I, and I was the most senior guy. And I like they I so it, like they thought I could make changes. And a lot of times I did. So how do you organizationally kind of create because I, I know there's definitely been messes I've either either been a part of or seen where it didn't matter. And the most powerful guy wasn't the guy you were going to go talk to anyway. Like they wasn't, there wasn't an open dialogue at all. It was, it was like more of an adversarial relationship. So like, what could we do organizationally to remove the barriers? Like we were talking about earlier, right? Where there's that separation, like how do we remove barriers and build, cultivate that trust between the two like groups so that we get that kind of communication. I mean, I think some of that falls back onto the mess as far as your relationship with the rest of the, with say the wardroom. Um, if people will come to the mess to, with issues or concerns, if they think that you can do something about it 
whether you know that's individually or as if they think it's something that the mess can even control. Right. So if you go in there and you say, hey, I think field days are dumb and I'm tired of doing field days. We have this plan to avoid it. If you if if the the chief's mess isn't looked at as something that has any kind of weight on that command and, you know, and, and even that fluctuates between commands and, right. and over time. But um, if you go in there and they're like, well, what's the point? The wardroom or the, the uh, you know, XO or something is going to do it regardless. He doesn't care. He doesn't like the chiefs. Then that's it's that same like as the chief's mess, you kind of have to get a win somewhere like you have to develop that relationship. You have to show that you can can accomplish these things so that people will bring those things to you, because if you don't, then why would anybody? Yeah. Again, why are they going to come complain to you? Because it doesn't do anything but make you look like the complainer. Right. But if if you're talking to somebody and they're able to, you know, filter it, talk to the right people the right way and make something happen out of that, then it's productive. But that requires a a chief's mess that has some pull. Yeah. And I, w- I would like to think that generally speaking, at least somebody in that chief's mess has some pull right. somewhere. Like that's kind of the point. But if they if they don't, then that's like a huge separate problem. Yeah. But and, and I would think like it's like using the example of field day, right? Like I've we've had that happen where um you know like the first classes are like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. It's a giant drain on our time. We have this plan to to make it better. And whether or not it would have worked is irrelevant because it wasn't given the chance to, right? So they would bring it and you got, and it's like, to me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is a senior enlisted leaders, like dream scenarios. The first classes (laughs) are bringing me a problem that they perceive with a proposed solution. Like, I don't even care what the proposed solution is unless it's going to like endanger humans or equipment because I'm going to let this let them try to implement this. And if it fails, it fails. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I still let them implement it. So that buys you some some credibility and and hopefully opens that those lines of communication where like if nothing else, they understand why better why we do what we do. But worst like right. worst case scenario that that happens. Best case scenario, it works. <laughs> and then they created a solution that was better than our solution that makes them happy. They have ownership of it now. And like, it's one thing, one less thing we got to worry about. And I've got a bunch of now like more, I guess more leaders. Cause I theoretically already had a bunch of chiefs that were bought into keeping the ship clean and preserved. But the, right. now I've got the first classes bought into this program and they're driving it at their level. And I, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I, you could be the best chief on the planet, but the first class generally is going to be a little more amongst the guys, right. Or the girls I'm depending on the platform. (laughs) Um, but it, you know I mean? They're going to take the, the guidance from them and they're going to buy in more readily if it's coming from one of their own, which in this case it would be. So, you know, CS1 goes back to the deck plate and says, this is our plan and we're going to do it. And this, I came up and it's going to benefit them and free up a bunch of their time. And there's all these other benefits and Hey, we created this idea. Then they get more feedback and it just builds on and feeds on itself until they have ownership of the process. So I would think that, that that would work, but that's what I've seen a lot of um, resistance to is like, even when that feedback is solicited by the mess, it's almost never taken seriously. And it's even we had a I don't know if every boat does this, but we had like an anonymous email suggestion thing. 
And every yeah. time one would come in, it was like, uh, oh, these idiots. You know what I mean? Like they would just be like, it's the complaint. Yeah, box. it was the complaint box. And it's like, look, man, like strip away all the I'm an E5 and my life hurts like like stuff. And then right. read between the lines. What are they actually upset about? Can we do anything about it? Go grab them and have that conversation if you can. Right. Like if you if they signed it. Right. If not, if it's not anonymous. Yeah, yeah. it, it was because some people did sign it. Good for them. <laughs> you know, like but a lot of them didn't. And, and and that's fine. And a lot of them did use it as just like a FU box. But um, though there were definitely some well thought out plans that uh, didn't have the context that. Uh, they thought it did, but some of it would have worked. And if you would have just let them do that, because there's not a lot of harm in letting a junior first class implement a cleaning plan like for a week right. or two and what's, see if yeah, it what's works. The like, yeah, what's the, that, the boat gets dirty. Then we do field ache. Like, get over it. Like, and then I then I have all the ammunition I need to be like, see, it's still dirty. And then we go back right. to just deep cleaning and whatever field day and after watch cleanup and stuff. But it's you, you give them that chance and then like best case scenario, it works. It works better or it works comparably and they're happy. Even if you're looking at it like, man, if I was a first class, I wouldn't want to do that. But if they're happy, who cares? Like, let them do yeah. it. And they got they got ownership of it. They're buying in. They're happy to they're, like, they're happy to be playing in that in that pen. So let them play like just and it's accomplishing what I need done. So who cares if it's done my way? Like, it doesn't make any difference. So, yeah. No, and and the and that also opens up once they see, hey, this avenue yep. accomplished something. Yeah. Then what else? Well, can yeah, we what else can we get we ownership like? of? And it's, you know, I might have to say no, but it a the the win here is that we're talking, and then b is they have they're going to have ownership of a piece, if not all of it, right? Because we'll have a conversation, and if I'm a if I'm a savvy, aware leader, I'm going to like, okay, like I, we can't do this part. We can't do this part, but I can build that and that in, even if it was, I was going to do that anyway. Now it's their idea. Like I'm, I'm doing my inception on my end where it's like, this was your idea, but it really wasn't because I was going to do that anyway. Right. right? right. Like I'm, I'm going to construct a plan and then be like, Hey, what do you guys think we need? We should do about this. And then they give me their plan. And then I build in the elements that I, that I can to the maximum extent possible. And then it's their plan and they have ownership of it. And, now that avenue is open and it's happening all the time. And I've never, I've never experienced that working extremely well on a submarine. Uh, no, and it's all trust. I think it's all, again, it's all trust based because yeah. they have to trust in the fact that if they bring something up, something will happen right. or that you're going to take that feedback in good faith and actually act on it. Um, there it's, I, th- I think you've said it a few times in, in previous episodes, but like trust really does make the world go yeah. around as far <laughs> as, as far as getting your job done in the Navy. Yeah. Like um, it, it's just, you have to trust that that guy is doing their job at, you know, the best of their ability or whatever the case is, but you just have to trust that whatever is happening is happening for a reason that's theoretically was thought out. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean don't, don't question it, right. but um, it's, there's a lot of that stuff. Uh, I, I was stuck as the uh, uh, urinalysis observer the other right. day. Um, and so it was me and another chief or the observers and the actual urinalysis coordinator guy, the duty guy for the day was a first class. And we were talking about the season um, and and what goes on. And, and from being out here, uh, a lot of guys go up to the Constitution just because we're physically close to it. Right. Um, and so the, and then same thing with Battleship New Jersey, uh, 
there's a lot of stuff like that that happens. And so we were kind of talking about some of it. And one of the guys or the the first class kind of laughed and it's like, oh, should you be talking about that with me in here? And it's like, there's that the whole season mystery thing yeah. is, is another yeah. I, topic for me. But dude, I but it was just one of those like there there it's not like I could literally tell you 99% of what I did day by day and why. Right. But it because it, it doesn't need to be a secret right. and I don't think it should be, but also it wouldn't matter because it's not going to be the same for you. Right. And that's one of those hard right. things for people to understand is no season is the same ever for anybody. Right. And, and I like the reason. So no season being the same for everybody, the way that you're saying it in the context of like, you're a different person with different problems and different areas that we need to work on and build on and like different, right. like paths I need to take to validate the training to get mm-hmm. to you to where you need to be. I 100% agree with the it's different no matter where I go because no one can get on the same page with anything about what are the training objectives (laughs) and how are we going to get there without getting shut down. It's like that's the part that I don't agree with. And I'm just like, I could solve this with a master course document and some IGs and a letter from the McPond. Like just stop giving us like it's not like I don't think we should have the ability to. Uh, form the training. But what I think is missing is like the structure, like what are our training objectives? What are our mechanisms for like affecting this training? And how are we like, how are we going to do that? What are we going to use? Where are we going to do it? And stuff like that. And I think it'll vary based on those, like where we're doing it, what platform we're on, stuff like that. But if everybody has the same goals and the same like course material and these are the things that you will do and these right. and I think we're going that direction with teaching to the creed and everything else but right it's just but even that's what like a three yeah, four days yeah. of six right. weeks and that's what I'm saying like the whole six weeks should be mapped out because I was I had a master gunnery sergeant with the Marine Corps uh, that I worked with that had gone through the chief season as a, when he made gunny in Iraq with a bunch of corpsmen mm-hmm. and this guy loved everything that had to do with the Navy chief. And so we, when we had him uh, at the A school with us, he would do all of the chief, chief season stuff with us. And we yeah. were doing a final night and I was sitting there with him and him and I were both frustrated. But man, he his head was hanging and he was one of those like uber motivated, like Kool-Aid drinking guys that was always smiling, right, right. always just bouncing around, super motivated guy. Like just the the breaking glass in case of emergency type Marine. And, uh, and so I, I was talking to him. I'm like, man, what's up? And he goes, this is not what this is supposed to be. And I was like, yeah, I agree with you. And we had a pretty long conversation about that. It's like, dude, just like, this is, this could be solved by just formalizing it all. Like, I don't understand why everybody's version is so wildly varying. And a lot of times it degenerates into just like reindeer games effectively, you know? And it's just like, yeah, it's, that's one of the things that I noticed from going through for my season was with 98% CBs. Right. I think there was 77 of uh, selects that year. Yeah. What was and, that like? Um, five of us were submariners. Right. Everybody else is a CB or an Airedale. Yeah. Um, so totally different communities. We were definitely the outsiders of the group. Yeah. Um, so everything that we did was foreign to us, mm. but I saw the way they did it and then coming out to sub school and seeing the way that it's done out here is very different. There's a lot of things that I liked from one and I liked from the right. other and you know, like I'm, there's no one was just straight better across right. the board. Um, but 
it's I see what you're saying with it being very different. The one thing that I like though is that because it was so different everywhere I went, um, the the season is very reactive, mm-hmm. right? So you see what people need to work on, and and kind of that's what your focus sort of becomes yeah. to get to that end goal. Um, but just the resources available, you know, where I was at, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, working yeah. with the CBs, you had so um, much space yep. to do so yeah. much. That's where as at sub school, I, we, you can't exactly run like your final night in front of all, all the students, yeah, students. Yeah. So it, it made a lot of that kind of, you had to, to limit and make things a little different and a little awkward and some things yeah, work that didn't I, work. And part of it too, though, is like, can you like, cause what there are parts of pri- final night that I, I think should be private for the reasons of like there are vulnerable moments that happen uh, where um, oh, that are sure. emotional and that are like that. It's, it's not going to happen in the same way if we're not only among chiefs and it's not going to have right. the same effect. Right. But I think right. a lot of it probably could happen and maybe even should happen in front of people and stay with me. So the <laughs> the concept of that six week period where they're like, you know, oh, yeah, they put on name tags and backpacks and then they all just disappear from the work center and they're doing, <laughs> you know, whatever they do and blah, blah, blah. They're getting brainwashed right. and then they come out the other in chief. So it's like I think that there should be much more transparency in that piece of it where it's like, look, when they're not in the work center, they should know like it should be on the plan of the day. This is where they are. This is what they're doing. Um, the, and even the final night stuff, it's like how much of that could be a lot of it's PT and team building. Like I can't do that in front of students. I bet you I could. And if I did a, I'd get way more effort and participation and hoo yeah out of the selects and B those students would be like, Whoa, (laughs) like that looks cool. (laughs) Like I want to do that. And so then like builds some of that, like, Oh, I now I want to be in that community, right? Or that oh, now it like maybe it makes a little more sense to them. And and it, I mean even if it, we're not just talking about the students, we're talking about the staff of E5 instructors, right. you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know, man. Like I that was part of it that I thought a lot about too is I've had a lot of these conversations about just kind of just dismantling the the separation between the two groups is like how much of that really needs to be done behind a, a closed door or like off in the woods or something like there are a couple of things that get emotional and vulnerable that would need to be private. But yeah, I don't think the vast majority I, of it would need to. And and I think that then that you're shining sunlight on a lot of the events and that keeps a lot of people that are facilitating them from doing anything stupid <laughs> for us being on the cover of the Navy Times well, and getting shut down. Right. I think, uh, it, again, I guess it's, I don't know if it's a pro or a, a con for your argument, but it kind of depends on the way the final night is ran as far as um, it felt much more climactic with the CBs, the way everything was set up. Like there was still, you know, not everybody gets yeah. it during, you know, week one. Right. right? Um, but the final night with the CBs allowed for more, uh, there was a lot more like aha moments yeah. and it clicked for a lot of people on final night throughout the day, yeah. um, which, or like towards the very end of it. And it was very different. And I feel like that was much more of like, a, Oh yeah. Now I get yeah. why. Whereas out here, I don't feel like that there was much of that happening until either the very end or um, 
or most of them had just already got it. And so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that they kind of already got it. Um, I mean, I guess that's, you you could argue that that means that training is effective right, right? but <laughs> but in that case why wouldn't you just end it sooner if yeah already, and, if they're done they're done yeah and I, so it, if you i like that there it there was so there's a pretty good percentage of people that were like and i'm sure it's frustrating being on the other side of it with those cps where you're like why why is it taking you until you know four hours before the end for you to get right. this with six weeks of us pounding this into your right. head but um, I mean, I, th- yeah, but it, I think it, the argument could be made that it's, you can't build a chief in six weeks and I, Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. It, it's, it can't happen if you're starting the, the day their name showed up on a list. But I think if we, as I, I'm not going to say if we, I'm going to say like, as we become more effective at leadership training and development, because they are investing money and real resources into it. Now, I don't know how this like NLIC thing and, uh, like the ELD courses are going to, yeah. are going to unfold and, and how implementation is going to go. I'm trying to get a, in a facilitator course, but I'm having issues in my area. Um, there's just not enough people that are certified to train facilitators. So because there's not enough facilitators, there's not enough courses happening. So, but right. the ones that I have heard feedback from are really good. So I, I hope that as it grows and becomes a permanent thing where they have like little detachments all over the place that as we get better at that, that the, the, the sailors that get selected have a much better base so that, you know, I mean, you're starting from a little like a couple steps further along than we were before. So that as we go through the six weeks, it's not starting from scratch. But I think that um, the. As you unfold, I think you could do like a situational acceptance. I think you could do a lot of different things that as sailors come along that, okay, this one's ready, take them off into a group and and do that or whatever. But I've seen it kind of like you where I I did one. uh, I flew out to the East Coast uh, this year for uh, a sailor that was one of my A school instructors. And mm-hmm. she had no idea I was coming. So it was pretty cool because uh, she asked me to pin her and I'm like, ah, I can't, I'm going to be like busy and whatever. Like I made it sound like I couldn't right, make it. Right. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, cause I showed up on final night. I didn't show up just for the pinning and oh, yeah, she yeah, got yeah. out of the van and was eating an MRE and getting yelled at. And, <laughs> uh, and her chief, who was also one of my A school instructors, they, they were on a destroyer together and then, uh, they were doing it with another, I think like a LHD or something, but I got to see that like the, the surface community do it. They did it, uh, in a pretty cool area and they did what you were talking about where there were their, their team building activities were very, um, like I didn't love everything, but like their team building activities were very focused on, uh, a particular goal, like, like an aha moment, you know what I mean? And I thought it's like some of it was really cool where it was like, they were just, finding the kind of some almost like core competency style areas and going, okay, this is how we're going to aha this moment. And it was like, and it was, they were very well done. Like every one of them like had that moment at the end where they were just like, Oh, (laughs) I get it now. Yeah. Um, It was pretty cool. So I I liked that a lot, but I I think you can formalize those. Like, I mean, if you got enough people in a room built lessons learned and filtered them up and then built it into a curriculum. Yeah, that's, you know, I think you could, and it, again, like you have to apply that model, it's just like teaching, right? Like the two of us have been in an A school classroom with the same IG as 20 other instructors. And we all do it slightly differently. Like we have different styles, different methods of communication, and then different C stories that we weave in to make it relatable and whatever. Um, So I think that it's as you apply that construct to 
all the different like communities and platforms and and like areas, uh, you're going to get a it's a slightly varying product that's all playing inside the same, you know, borders. Like we have these like boundaries that we can't right. play outside of. But you're yeah, I think I don't know. I think if there was a formal construct, it would it would help us all get to the same place. And then I think a lot more of it would be like translatable throughout communities where I think that like I should be able to walk into a chief's mess anywhere and immediately relate on some level. And I think I, I think we can. Right. But it's yeah. not it's not always what it could be, I think, um, where I've been in areas where they're like there, there were some growing pains. And I'm like, well, that's not how we did it or whatever. And it's like, I think some of that could be a little more translatable. And that's that's always the hard part when you start. Uh, I'm sure you guys are starting up, you know, planning out your yeah. season already. Um, and I think this week actually is our first meeting for the same thing. Um, and I know obviously people who, who are running it have already been talking to people trying to get ideas ahead of time. Um, but it's still very much of a, uh, you know, somebody could have an idea of something, but it's the way they dealt with it, the way they perceived it and what they learned out of it is going to be different because you weren't there. So you don't know. And so your way was better because that's what you learned. And, and, and it's always, it's hard. And then like you had, depending on the seniority of your chief's mess, um, then, you know, they've just seen more seasons. So they have more to, right. Uh, uh, to build from and to draw from, but then you also have, uh, say, I don't know, like sometimes it's just a bad season, for people, <laughs> you know, like for one reason yeah. or another, it was, you were busy there, you know, insert reason here, like operational requirements yeah. take precedent. Yeah. So somebody might've just gotten shortchanged the season. And so they're not going to be bought in as much. And so their mindset on yeah. all of it is going to be like, well, I don't know. This is all stupid. Uh, yeah. Let's just not but do this. I also or, think you just made the perfect argument for why it's, it's, it's gotta oh, be yeah. a capstone instead of the whole thing like it's like i should be it should be a finishing school like it's not it's not something that i like if you caught a bad one like i've done a couple of them underway and it's just not the same because we are all standing watch we've got all 10 million other things going on we're operational like i just can't devote the bandwidth so it's just not taken anywhere near as seriously um and so they don't get the same product and and come out the other end reflecting that. And it's like, if this is we're starting from square one on the day of selection, like that's bad. <laughs> so I feel like yeah. it's that's a you just made the perfect argument for it. it's It's got to be a capstone. And right now, I don't feel like yeah, it, it really is like I, I think we try to do that. But it's I mean, what do we have on the back end that makes it that like I don't, we don't have the pipeline yet? Yeah, no, it's it, that's definitely a uh, uh because like i say you you don't make a chief in six weeks right but so i don't know this may sound contradictory but i definitely think that you can make a bad one or you can break one in those six weeks yeah because if if you (laughs) if it's a negative yeah yeah if you have that bad experience like that you know where like you said you just can't devote the bandwidth to it yeah they're gonna come out of it just being like well i don't know like i guess i wear tan pants now yeah like i, I mean <laughs> you lose some yeah of that. i think but i think that's very recoverable i think what, you probably lose more faith in the process than you do in the, right. just the entire concept of be, like them being a chief i don't think they're gonna lose all of it because i've kind of seen that and then i've seen the turnaround in the next six months to a year where they're like 
like, oh, okay. Like, and they kind of, they learn as they go. Um, and I mean, it's all dependent on the mess as far as like how they deal with it. But like we, on my last submarine were for all our flaws, we were pretty good at like the junior guys that were still figuring out how to, how to wear their anchors. It was like when they were doing something stupid, we would all kind of sit them down and rally around them and just be like, Hey man, like this is not how you do this. And we would have a com- more of a conversation. I mean, there was definitely times. I mean, there's one where uh, I pulled uh, a new chief down that he had he had gotten overwhelmed, gotten frustrated, and didn't ask for help like he was supposed to. And he decided that it would be a good idea to send a seaman to come tell me to go f myself while I was on watch, uh, in control, in front of a bunch of people. And I'm like, oh, okay, get me a relief. <laughs> And so right. uh, him and I went down to the chief's quarters and I melted his face off to the flavor of you could hear me all the way back to the watertight door. Uh, I mean, I was right. shaking. I've, I haven't been that upset in a decade, but it was more. I wasn't mad that my ego took a hit because I got told to go F myself like better. Better people have tried and failed to get me that upset using that kind of a method. It, it was more. Right. You sent a semen that is in submarine qualifications kind of junior to do that. You put that on her. She was a rider. So like you put that on this junior enlisted guest to come tell a senior chief that's on watch in the control room of a submarine. Like you got to think what was going through her head as she made the walk from where he was to where I was. And then she had to tell me that. And then she immediately apologized to me. And I'm like, stop it. I was like, you did nothing wrong. Nothing here was your fault. Don't you for a second right. think that I think anything less of you. Go find me a relief. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I went and dealt with it. And that's what I was losing my mind about. It's like, how dare you take advantage of a junior sailor like that? Like I was and I when I was done screaming, I threw him out of the chief's quarters. I was like, you go find her. You apologize to her. And then you come report completion. Now get out. <laughs> I was that upset. And I was like, <laughs> and he did. And he, and it, but it, it was, and then when he came back down, we talked a little bit. And then I was like, look, man, like I get it. You got overwhelmed and you made a stupid decision, but like, you don't get that one back. That sailor just had a chief do that to them. It wasn't you. It wasn't a new leader learning how to, how to chief, right? A chief petty officer just right. did that. So now she thinks chiefs do that. And now, like, I I can't even imagine all the different ways that that could go wrong. So it's just like I was so upset and I to the point and then it got to the point where a bunch of other guys jumped in. I'm like, look, man, I'm removing myself from this because I'm still shaking. But you need to sit down here and talk to these guys about this because you need to understand all of the different ways that you just negatively affected the chief's mess, the perception of the chief's mess, because she's going to go tell every junior sailor on the submarine what happened, right? And right. all of them are going to know that you did that and that, uh, and like, well, they also now knew that I melted your face off in the chief's quarters, so that might have rehabbed us a little bit, but like, because they heard it, I guarantee it. I woke up the whole quarters, right. but it was, it was one of those, like, you, I mean, you got to understand all the layers to this, but we were, we were really great at, as a group, because this wasn't just me. I mean, I flipped out and then left, but like that, that group of, of chiefs was really great at sitting them down, talking to them, explaining to them what they screwed up and, and why the way that they were going about dealing with something was wrong. And, um, I had another guy that was really, he had a really hard time with like inner inter chief communications, right. Where like he thought 
that within his department that he could just unilaterally make decisions and not coordinate maintenance and not. And when one of those yeah. more senior guys came and was like chin checking him a little bit, he was like, you know, F you and like walked off and it was just like, oh man, like, and then he would come vent to me or to someone else. She's like, nah, man, like you need to not do that. And ha- having those types of conversations <laughs> about like, you're not going to get anything done effectively. You're not going to be able to advocate for your sailors. You're not going to be able to do all the things that you need to do to be a good chief. If you're burning every bridge you see, you know, and it's, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So like, I, I think that's, that was something we were, we were really good at, but it was, if you, if you have a negative season and you come out the other end of thinking that hopefully, and I know hope is not a plan, but hopefully you come out on the other end with a group of chiefs that are going to like, okay, like, yeah, we were at sea operational commitments, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of continue it almost like it's a continuation. Like, yeah, we're doing chief chief right. season summer school for the next six months so that we can get you to understand. <laughs> right. uh, Cause I, I had guys that um, going through the acceptance piece that still didn't get it. And it was our fault, obviously for not, training effectively and not having started way earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, the guy that comes to mind, I, I had spent a bunch of time on earlier, but it was, I don't know, man, it was why I think this stuff needs to start at boot camp and then just continue the whole way because I think he could have been saved a lot of pain. Uh, cause I mean, this guy's got like an LOI now and all this other stuff cause he just wouldn't listen and he just kept getting told hey man if you go that way you're gonna drive off a cliff no really there's a cliff over there. no this is gonna hurt bro <laughs> yeah. and then he just did it anyway and went flying off the cliff and landed on his face and it's just like now you got an loi in your record like good job like why what did i it's frustrating because we kept telling him and telling him and telling him but it was like it was almost like it was too late like those behaviors were already ingrained in him he already he was one yeah. of those guys that just thought he was the bee's knees man he just thought he was smarter than everybody else in the room that his way was the best way uh, did some shady stuff because he thought he was slick and he got caught <laughs> and it was just like dude we told you this is not what it's about we that wasn't lip service like you can't do this stuff and yeah man it's like it was one of those like you just kind everybody kind of knew he wasn't gonna get it and we still spent a ton of time trying to prove ourselves wrong and then we got to acceptance and he just still didn't get it. And we're like, okay, we're just going to keep working on him. And it, we did. And he spent a lot of time talking to my cob and he spent a lot of time talking to me and other chiefs. So it wasn't one voice. It was, I mean, it was collectively one voice, but it wasn't like just one person saying it. So he could like discount it. It was, he had six or eight chiefs telling him the same thing. And then eventually he had the CEO signing a letter telling him the same thing. And it's just like, geez, yeah. what is it going to take? Yeah. That, that acceptance piece was, uh, it was funny for me cause it was my, my season was very all over yeah. the place with the operational right. stuff and in and out and it, it was, it was yeah. a mess. But, um, during that final bit there for that acceptance piece, it was like, I think my first time through, I, I still like had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> no clue why I was standing yeah, there. Yeah. Like I was just totally lost about everything. Right. And then, you know, of course some guys came out, they're talking to me for a while and it's like, okay, I, I mean, I, I kind of get what you're trying to say, but like, it just didn't, it's almost like I didn't believe it. Yeah. Like it, I don't know. It just something didn't click yeah. with me. Right. So my second time through is when I had one guy who he wasn't specifically my mentor, but he was somebody that, that, uh, I really looked yeah. up to and it was something that he said, and he's, he's the kind of guy who's always 
positive with everything that he says about you. Like he'll never tell you that you're bad. Not that he won't tell you that you're bad at something, but even you the could, stuff you like could be better your yeah, in these areas. Yeah, 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 it's exactly. He would all, it was just, there was never like you, you're just bad yeah. at this. It was always, these are what you're awesome. Be a little bit yeah. better at these things, but you're still right. great. Here's the areas you can improve. So, and he said something to me that just like, it just struck a chord with how it was one of those like, man, does he like, I felt, I felt like I let him down almost with the way he said something. And, and, uh, it, it's really hard to explain without a crazy long right, backstory right, right. and understanding the situation. But with, with whatever he said, it was just one of those like, Oh yeah. And by then it was too late and I'd already you know got recycled <laughs> out of there. But, yeah. but then it was like, Oh, and then all of a sudden, like, somehow like six weeks of of reindeer games you yeah know I mean? six weeks of just getting yelled at kind of clicked yep. and i was like i'm an idiot and yeah. now i get it and that's and, and i had that moment that's you know? what's so interesting about it is because there's such a fine line where i think like there can be a bunch of yelling that has an underlying purpose um, and then there's yelling just to yell because I got treated like crap during my season. So now I'm going to treat you like that. And it's like, right. You can like having experienced it as many times as I have, I can tell the difference very easily now, but having gone through mm-hmm. it, I think there was, I, I'm looking back on like my season, which at this point is a fog, but it was, right. uh, there was a definitely a lot of stuff that happened that I feel like was pointless. Um, because back, I mean, back that far, it was still pretty archaic. Like, I mean, it was, we were just starting to convert to like the next year it was 365, and then they started to formalize things. Like, so I was the last year right before it became phase two. And it was, uh, it was still the wild west uh, sort of like, so it was, (laughs) I mean, it wasn't like some of the things you see in like the, I think it's the winds of change. I I always screw the name, but that study that the Navy history and heritage command did on what it, where the origin, the real origins of it. But, uh, it was, there was definitely stuff that right out of the creed that like, okay, now I get the, what that pointed barb was. Right. Like, and I think that, there's definitely a lot of things that can be done without the yelling and still accomplish the same thing. I think there's a time and place mm-hmm. for putting on a show because I've, I've done it and I still do it to this day where I'll be in a, a training and something will happen. Like they don't take a thing seriously and I'll, I'll jump out of the seat and, and lose my mind. And it's not because I'm upset. It's because I think they need to hear it this way. And it'll leave mm-hmm. that type of an, of an effect in on them and the group in the room and whatever. But then I think the thing that doesn't always happen that needs to is just like in the situations you were describing where you get recycled out and then you're standing there in like that holding pattern waiting to go back in and try to figure it out again. That's where I spend my time. Right. Where or right in a training where I, I I'll lose my mind and then I'll stay after 45 minutes and talk to them and explain to them why I got so hot. Right. Even though I wasn't Mm -hmm. really, but I was just put, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, decrypting that stuff for them is just as important as doing it. And I think that that's kind of the role of sponsors. And uh, that's something else that I would build into the formal curriculum of that is like training a a sponsor to basically be like the facilitator that actually guides them through this thing that's happening. And is you're the one that's going to decrypt it for them and rebuild them after they get destroyed and stuff like that. So that, that, cause otherwise they don't get it. And it is just, you're getting screamed at and, and hopefully, cause right now we're kind of relying on 
hopefully some guy says something to you that strikes a chord and makes you go, oh, right. But we're not, it's not intentional so much as it is like, we're just trusting that somebody in the room is going to recognize that, oh, he needs me to say something to him right now. And I, and also trusting that he knows the right thing to say and that it all aligns and he, you know what I mean? We're, yeah, you're just banking on the on the the rule of averages right. or whatever the, the the law of numbers. Like, if there's 150 chiefs yelling at 50, one of those select, things is going to get hopefully through. Yeah. One of those, <laughs> yeah, hopefully one of those 150 people yelling will will say yell the right, right thing. Right. No, that's the the one thing that I'll say with the 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 kind of the debrief is we uh, when I went through it, um, the mess was really great about doing that, which was awesome for the most part. There was a couple of things, though, that completely lost the effect of uh, same thing during a training, get yelled at right. for something. Right. And a guy kind of had like uh, he had some note cards in his hand and he kind of just went to like throw them up in the air. But they're note cards. Right. So he ended up throwing them and they basically just went straight in oh. my face. And then and then he kind of walked off and then they basically like, all right, stop, kicked us out of the room. And then I came back in and then the dude's like, hey, man, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw him at your face. You know, he's kind of explaining it all. And and it was one of those like, I mean, I didn't I wasn't like physically hurt. Like it it made a point, you know, when I went went, in the moment when he did it, it was like, oh, man, like I really screwed up. And and I'm sitting there in my head and then they booted us out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to get pinned. Yeah. You know, and like that had a big effect. But then when they brought me back in and it was like, hey, they man, took it like, away. Yeah. You know, yeah. end scene. And I'm not saying it that it should you should get no cards thrown in your face. But like I had <laughs> no, I, no. I, back in the day, I had my selectee name tag ripped off and was called a disgrace. So that's <laughs> to give right. you an idea. And like and I for the rest of the season, I, I had wore a name tag where I had glued my selectee thing back onto another name tag because I they, he broke it when he ripped it off my shirt. And so like, that's kind of shouldn't have happened. Like it was probably not, a, not assault. I mean, I'm not going to like, but like, you know what I mean? Like we're in a different world now where you can't, you just can't do stuff like that. But I, I think that there's, there's things you can no, do that have that type of an effect. And I think it's a good right. thing for somebody to do that, for that effect to be had. And then someone else decrypts it later. Cause like I spent, then being the sponsor or whatever, unless your sponsor's the one flame spraying you, which he probably shouldn't be. But, um, right. but yeah, like, so I had a, my first cob and my first chief's mess. Right. So I spent the first probably six months, just, I was constantly getting destroyed by my cob and I couldn't, I don't like, well, I don't understand why I'm getting yelled at all the time. Like my division's running well, my guys right. are well taken care of. Same team. Yeah. Same like, team. I'm like, why is he flipping out on me every five minutes? And, uh, my I had my doc was a senior chief and he just kept trying to explain it to me. He's like, it's because you never talk to him, man. He never sees you. You never talk to him. You just stay down in the galley and keep your head down and do your thing. And he's like, I know that you're on top of stuff because I talk to you every day. How does he know? And I was like, he out of sight, out of mind. If he doesn't see you, you're not doing anything. And on the on the boat I was on, like, and I you may know this, may not, but there was there's a it's split. The chief's quarters are split. So there's an upper level and a lower level. Yep. Right. So I, being yep. the junior guy was in like the low rent district <laughs> down in lower level where there's right. more racks and stuff. And then like all the department chiefs and the cob and, and uh, I think there was, a, there was one other guy were up in upper level chief's quarters. So I never went up there cause I didn't need to talk to him about anything cause everything was going fine. Like I didn't need him for anything. I'll come get, it was like a fire extinguisher. Like I'll come get you if I need you, but I don't. 
And uh, right. that was the problem. And he kept telling you, he's like, you got to go talk to him. You got to go talk to him. I'm like, talk to him about what? Like, I don't need to talk. And he's like, you, you don't, you don't get it. You got to go talk to him. <laughs> so I finally got fed up with getting destroyed all the time. And I, he's like, he, he kept telling me the same thing. And I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll go talk to him. I, I'm like, I'm going to try it just to prove you wrong, basically. And, f- you know, three, four days into me going up there and talking to him every day, he left me alone. And I was just like, no way. I'm like, this can't be why. <laughs> and so, like, I just kept making reasons to go up there. And then I basically found a balance of, you know, I'd just go up there every couple of days and shoot the shit or, well, shoot the breeze. I'll edit that. Uh, <laughs> I'll just bleep it out. Um, the uh, I, I promised iTunes I wouldn't curse. Uh, the uh, uh, I, and it's funny if you knew me like in everyday life. It's I'm oh I've I've tried to be really good. You've, you've done better than me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like I I would go up there and I just found this balance of going up there and and just talking to him or going up there and briefing him when something actually came up and. I mean, turned out that was all it needed to happen and it was great. And he stopped doing that and it was like, everything was great. <laughs> so it's just like, wow, it turns out that works. But yeah, I was, I don't even remember where I was going with that, but turned out to be all I needed to do was communicate. I, I don't even know what I was going to say. Uh, dude, we're either. at two hours. I think both of our brains are melting yeah. at this point. So is there anything else you wanted? Yeah, to, it's been a long anything day. else you wanted to get out there uh, that we didn't already cover? Uh, no. Off the top of my head, 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah, we talked about just about <laughs> everything, man. Uh, well, I'm super glad we finally did this. Uh, definitely open to do it again if you want, man. I, and I'm trying to get as many people involved as is humanly possible. So uh, I don't yeah. think people believe me when I'm saying like I'm literally willing to talk to anybody. I want to get some junior sailors on here. I've talked to some of my old students and uh, some of them said yes. And then I haven't heard from them. And so I'm trying to run people down. But uh I should be doing another one of these pretty soon. I was the guy I was telling you about that I was waiting on to get a hold of me today. Uh, hasn't yet, but I think we're gonna like test the connection out, like <laughs> like you and I did today, and then uh, right. and then figure out like just make sure his mic and everything works, and then uh, get that done soon. But we're gonna talk at length about the stuff, some of the stuff we touched on today, like the the mess divide um, between like the trust issues between junior listed, senior listed, and then even like officers and and senior enlisted um, because I basically the reasoning was like I needed I, I, I did this. I don't know if you saw it. I did this really long Reddit thread on. I basically just posted a question like, hey, why is why is there a trust divide between the mess and and junior enlisted? And I mean, good God, the engagement was mm-hmm. real. <laughs> it was like it's really cool because Reddit is anonymous. So like they don't. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, they don't have to fear reprisal or anything. But they, uh, I got a ton of engagement, some really good stuff. Uh, and I, I've sent that to this guy, but I, I've wanted to do like an episode on that specifically. Like I've done a bunch of little ones that I referenced that Reddit conversation in, but I wanted to do one on this topic specifically. But then as I thought about it, I, I never felt prepared, right? Like I, I wanted to go into it like, and, and have a deep conversation about like the, the issues and why they're like that and, and some of the stuff that goes on in the mess. And and I mean, we hit some of that today, which was cool, but it was, I was like, I got to get somebody on because I don't feel like I'm an authority on things that happen inside the chief's mess and why chiefs are the way they are. But I'm not like an unquestioned, like well-established. Yeah. Right. Like a well-established authority. Well, the dude I'm going to talk to is unquestionably, a very high level authority on 
all things Chiefs mess. So it'll be pretty cool uh, because I I think that it's going to work better as a conversation. I think everything I I, I get a lot more out of it. I think that uh, some like d- different perspectives are always good and. Um, I always learn stuff, so it's always good too. But I, th- I just felt like it had to be a conversation and it had to, the things that I want to talk about, ha- it, like I need to be talking to someone that has the level of chief's mess credibility that this dude does. So I'm pretty excited about it, but is it, uh, is it supposed to be a big um, secret? I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to put it out there yet. Just it, cause I'm always, I'm always hesitant about, uh, identifying anybody at all, um, which, He's oh, going to put his name on this and and it's awesome. That's part of kind of why he wants to do it is to get a lot of visibility on the conversation. Um, but I, I, I'm hesitant to do it because he might change his mind five minutes before. See what I mean? So it's like, that's kind of why I don't want to say anything yeah. until it's, it's like ready to, to drop. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll tell you once we stop recording, but uh, it's, yeah, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to give him that opportunity to, back out because it's one of those things like i've always had this fear of like uh people's reactions to this type of stuff too in addition to like i don't want any recognition for this at all like i just want to have conversations with people i get a lot out of it selfishly i I like doing it uh i like helping people so it's like all the positive feedback i've gotten from the podcast uh in the the, i mean it's god four four years i've been doing this four and a half something like that um Mm -hmm it's really cool that I've been able to like help people on the scale that I have. And it's, it's just awesome. Um, and that's all I need to get out of it and that's fine. But it's, it's kind of like the type of conversation that we're having. It's like the, that's the kind of thing that he's like, this needs to become a bigger conversation it needs to get more eyes on it. And so that's kind of why he wanted to do it, which is pretty rad, but I'm excited, but yeah, that'll be the next one. And then nice. I still think uh, an, an awesome idea, uh, and I don't know that it'll ever happen just because of the time restraints on it, but um, I, I know you mentioned that you've done like a, a specific few episodes during the season right. in the past. Um, I always thought it'd be really cool to have basically like one or two chiefs who've already gone through it, obviously, and then try to get like a select in there and just kind of hear their side of stuff like in the moment of when, oh, yeah. what's yeah. going on. I, but that's ob- obviously it would, you know, there's only so many hours in a right. day for everybody. Right. So I mean, that's, that's the worst time to coordinate <laughs> two chiefs. In for the real. Select, yeah. But. That would be an interesting perspective though. Um, I mean, you could just get a freshly pinned one that, I mean, it's that it's all super fresh. You know what I mean? Like that that's might, true. it would be a really interesting perspective to get. Um, I mean, I could see, uh, that chief that, I mean, she's pretty far removed from it now, but I mean, she's only what September, October, November, she's like six months removed from pinning. So could try to get her on. She'd be down. Yeah. But like throughout the season, though, yeah, I think it would be yeah, interesting to that see. That would be like, cool. Um, I, and God, there's a lot of reasons why I want to retire, but, uh, <laughs> being able to, being <laughs> able to devote a tremendous amount of bandwidth to this is one of the biggest reasons. And like, if I, if I was retired, I could just go do that. You know what I mean? Like I could, I could make mm-hmm. my, make it super convenient for them. Like here, sit there and work on your charge book and talk to me while you do it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> take your field recorder, yeah, just go out there. And, and I mean, like I, I started doing this whole thing with just like my MacBook air and a USB mic. So it's like, I'll just go, go do that. I've recorded a ton of them in my car before too. And you can, I mean, you can tell <laughs> that I'm driving down the road, but, uh, but still, I mean, I figured it was better than nothing. That's interesting. I might yeah, have to man, look dude, into that. I, like, we can talk season. about it a little bit offline because I don't want to bore everybody with the the podcastery uh, stuff. But 
I figured you would have cut oh, it by no, now. I haven't yet. I haven't yet. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm da- I'm always down for super long form, but it, it's the time of night and stuff where I'm like starting to fade too. So, um, and I'm sure it's even later where you are. Jeez, it's almost midnight, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. About yeah so, uh, so yeah, we can talk about that a little bit when I stop recording, but, uh, but yeah, man, uh, super glad we did this. Definitely down for doing it again if you want to, uh, even if it's something like that, man, yeah. where you want to like, uh, records a conversation during the season and then we get it on here and do it. Or you like, you got to start your own thing, man. Like this, just based on this conversation, like you could definitely do this. I I'm even down for, if you want to just record stuff and I'll release it, I don't care. Like we need to figure something out. We'll talk about that some more too, but, uh, thanks a ton for doing this. Uh, I think it was really good, man. Yeah, thanks I think a lot me. of people will enjoy this. So, and that's it guys. I know, I know that was a long one, but again, like I said, uh, previously, uh, I, I love long form conversations. I will talk until you're done talking. Uh, I've obviously got, uh, some pipes on me as far as, uh, having the wind to go and go and go, man, I'll talk forever. We actually got, when we got done recording, I mean, I think we talked for another hour. So, uh, it was super fun. I'm really glad uh, to get him on here. Uh, we will probably do it again in the future. Uh, and, we had conversations about him even taking ownership of an episode because he's got ideas about what he wants to do. Uh, so it'd be really cool, man. Any involvement, like I always say uh, over and over is I would really love to get you guys involved in this platform, uh, have conversations with you, uh, get your perspective and get it out there for everyone else to hear and then have discussions about it. Uh, so if you got anything for us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram at D podcast. Uh, hit us up. Let me know what you think of this. Give us that feedback. And then if you're interested in being involved, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you want to support us, uh, not a for-profit enterprise by any stretch of the imagination, but it uh, it helps us pay the bills. Go to dgutspodcast.com slash shop and you can get yourself uh, t-shirts, stickers, magnets, pins, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you get something cool. Uh, we get a little financial support to pay all the subscription fees and all the other fun stuff. So uh, it all gets reinvested back into the podcast. But uh, if you want to help us out and support us and then you get something in return, please do that. Check out dgutspodcast.com slash shop. Uh, and that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. Thank you.